This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 27. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Sid, and we've got a very special episode for you guys today, talking about Black Clover, celebrating its 100-chapter milestone, two years of serialization, and an upcoming anime. Wow! And we've got some special guests down the pipes for you on this episode as well, including the the uh, letterer of the manga for Wiz's Weekly Shonen Jump, Annalisa Christman, joining us on the show to talk about Black Clover, alongside our good friend and frequent guest, Maxie Bernard of Friendship Effort Victory. Very excited to talk about all that, though first we gotta go through a ton of news. Oh boy. Oh yeah, so um, I think I just want to be as transparent about this as I possibly can. Me and Sid are kind of... Recording this a bit differently. Instead of recording all of the news with our guests and wasting a, about an hour or two of our guests' time, not saving us enough time to actually discuss what we want to discuss with our guests, we we figured maybe we can just cover the news by ourselves from now on, kind of save save our guests a little time, so we're not as uh, tired and uh, starving at the end of the uh, podcast like we did last episode. Which, you know, if you haven't listened to. Um, if you haven't listened to our last episode featuring uh, Bomber D. Rufi, uh, Kira Bon on Twitter, talking about uh, Shonen Sunday and his blog dedicated to it at uh, Um, you should. I had, despite my gripes, I, I did have fun recording that, and I did have fun uh, listening to Bomber talk about something that he really enjoys. Though you can hear how tired Colton was getting towards the end of the show, especially if you stick around after the end of it. There were a few outtakes that you can listen to there. <laughs> oh, gee, I didn't even get to the end of that. That's news to me. Um, <laughs> that's going to be fun to listen to. Oh, boy. So we hope everybody goes to listen to that. But I think also from now on with the news, um, I'm also just going to be frank and say that, you know, sometimes I feel like... I try to force myself to have an opinion about certain news pieces just to make sure we have some kind of discussion. But I think I'm going to I'm going to pick and choose, you know, what I want to discuss in particular. You know, basically from now on, you know, we're going to try to do our best to try to get through the news a little quicker than we usually do. But that doesn't mean we're going to completely stop discussing whatever news that we feel like needs discussion. You know, if we if you're listening to this and you feel like maybe there's a piece of news that you want to hear us discuss more, just let let us know and send us an email over at mangamavericks at gmail dot com. So uh yeah, I think we should just get started. And uh our first news piece for the week is that uh Yen Press is actually publishing a few digital only titles into print. The first of which being the Royal Tutor by Higasa Akai, volume one of that being released this May. Royal Tudor just kind of seems to be what I think is going to be probably a romantic comedy about a small, a little diminutive teacher who has to basically educate four princes of some kingdom and hijinks ensue. <laughs> yes, this is a series that I believe Jenny McKeon of Translator Tea Time works on. So I've heard of it before and it's getting an anime in April. So I'm very interested in this title and it's cool that it's finally going to be available in print. Yes, yes. Uh, the other two titles being published in print, Kakegurui from Homura Kawamoto and Toru Naomura and uh, Sekirei from Sakurako Gokurakuin. God, try, try saying 
No, you know what? No, I I always fall into this trap. I say that all the time, and then if I say that, Sid's gonna actually do it. So I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up. Kakegurui. It seems to take place at a private academy for basically students from wealthy families, where they essentially learn to gamble. It looks like in order to make more money, which seems interesting. And then、um, Seki Ray, if you follow Funimation releases, Funimation released the anime for this a little while ago. I think it's pretty safe to say that it's just an action-packed fan service thing. It didn't really seem that interesting to me, but it's a good thing that I think Yen Press is looking to publish more stuff that was digital only. I think it just speaks to the fact that there was either you know some demand for some of these titles, maybe, or Yen Press just feels confident that these titles can actually sell in print. Yeah, it's neat, and these are very distinct and different sorts of titles they've got here. So something for everyone, I'm sure. Yeah, I would at least be interested in maybe Kakegurui. To me, that has the most interesting premise. Royal Tutor is probably what I'm going to check out, just because I have heard the editor of that series talk about that before, and she's made it sound very interesting. So、okay. I will probably give that one a shot, especially since the anime is coming out next month. But moving on, One Piece Books is also publishing a series that had had an anime a couple years ago before. Mikigura School Suite, the novels and the manga, will be released later this year. The light novel is being released on August twenty ninth, and the manga is going to come out not too long after on September twelfth. So, if you were a fan of that series, you have two new ways to experience it and continue the story potentially. Yes, and then next up, our last bit of release news: Dark Horse Comics revealed in its、uh, in its June solicitations that they will be releasing the fourth volume of the Drifters manga on August ninth. This is、uh, somewhat significant because apparently this volume shipped in Japan around October twenty fourteen and. Only now is Dark Horse getting around to releasing this volume in particular, and、uh, they also confirmed that、uh, they'll be releasing the fifth volume, apparently the most recent volume to come out of Japan.、Uh, they'll be releasing that stateside in December, and that the company is also planning a new printing of the first volume this coming April. Indeed, wow, three years. Three years since the last time Dark Horse released a volume of Drifters. Granted, there have only been two new volumes that have come out since then, but wow, what a drought! Also, we forgot to put it in our news list here, but they also have recently confirmed that they are going to be resuming releases of Blood Blockade Battlefront with the release of the eighth volume in November and volumes nine and ten coming not. Too long afterwards. So finally, both Drifters and Blood Blockade Battlefront are being continued by Dark Horse. Thank God! Great, we can read more of them. Yeah, hopefully Dark Horse gets better about releasing some of these. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that like I really can't help but wonder why Dark Horse took so long to release more Drifters. I I don't know. Maybe it's because maybe it didn't sell. That, well enough yeah, to, that's my guess. I I don't think it did that well, but when the anime came out last year, there was suddenly more interest in it, and so now、yeah. they're like, okay, let's try this again, because they're also going to be reprinting、uh, the first volume in April, so they're gonna try and give it a new print run and see if you know sales are gonna be picking up now thanks to the anime. So. 
yeah, hopefully that does well for them. I guess we should move on to some new series and some uh, some ending series. That's right. The first one is a pretty interesting little new series. For if you're a Yoshiki Tanaka fan, the man who created Legend of the Galactic Heroes and the heroic Legend of Arslan. Oh, wow. In the fourth issue of Kodansha's Young Magazine the Third, manga creator Ikumi Fukuda revealed he's planning to launch a manga adaption of Tanaka's Nana Toshi Monogatari, otherwise known as Seven City Story Novel, and it will debut in the magazine's next issue on April 6th. It looks to be a sci-fi fantasy fusion epic with a crazy plot about seven cities and moon colonies and humanity being trapped on Earth and mysterious virus killing everyone on the moon. Lots of crazy stuff. I think it's like a fusion of Galactic Heroes and Arslan together. It seems interesting. I definitely want to see what comes of this manga adaption. And maybe we might even get the novel one day of the Legend of Galactic, Legend of the Galactic Heroes novels continue to do well for Viz. Yeah, hopefully. I side note, I I didn't know that this person created both novels. That's really interesting cuz I know that I mean, I know Legend of Galactic Heroes is very well known in the uh, anime community and I know I'm pretty sure Heroic Arslan uh, Heroic Legend of Arslan isn't doing too bad either. There are definite similarities between the series if you watch them both, though I think just because of the uh, how different the adaptation styles are, you might not be able to like think of the Hiromu Arakawa designed current iteration of Arslan and the classic Legend of Galactic Heroes as like being from the same creator. But they are, and you can tell that in the writing for the most part. But uh, moving on from that, uh, the official website of Weekly Shonen Sunday magazine uh, revealed that uh, Hayate the Combat Butler will be ending in the magazine's 20th issue on April 12th. Yes. It's no surprise, because as we had Bomber on the show last week, we it was also being reported that Hayate was coming to its end, and as I have seen by reading Bomber's blog, story events definitely seem to be heading to a big climax. So, I think that Hayate will probably go out on a pretty good note, considering that on the recent DLC, it was ranked fairly well. So, for a long-running series like Hayate, I think that's pretty good for it. But uh, what's the other Shonen Sunday series that seems to be ending soon? The other Shonen Sunday series that's ending soon, and this one is going to be ending actually sooner than Hayate the Combat Butler, is Denpa Kiyoshi. That's right, Denpa Kiyoshi is going to be ending in just three chapters... With the 26th volume being the final volume, which will ship out on April 18th. Again, this was another series that we had been reported before on our last episode is ending soon. And now we have like an official like time frame as to when it's going to end. And another thing we kind of forgot to include in these uh, show notes here is that to fill the gaps for these series ending, Sunday is going to be doing an initiative that Jump had kind of been doing, and that it's going to be debuting six new series, uh, starting from the 19th issue of Shonen Sunday onward. 
Mm, yeah, I did see that on Bomber's blog, and some of them kind of looked interesting. I I hope some of them get picked up. That'd be nice. I, I just want to read more Sunday stuff. Indeed. Just to mention them briefly, Tenchu no Quadruple by Takahiro Arai will come out on the 19th. Hoankan Evans no Uso Dead or Love will come out on the 20th issue. Daiku no Hatu by Michiru Kusaba will come out on the 21st issue. Yokai Giga will come out in the combined issue 2223. KOI by Tamiki Wakaki will come out on the 24th issue. And Inseki Shoujo Meteor Girl by Richi Ishiyama will come out on the 25th issue. Of uh, these authors, Ishiyama is a newbie, and possibly the most well-known is Wakaki, who previously did the very successful The World God Only Knows. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes of these new series and which of these will hit it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Just a side note for Denpa Kyoshi, which, by the way, if we haven't made it clear, was picked up by Funimation on the anime side as um, Ultimate Otaku Teacher. So, is Denpa Kyoshi ending three chapters starting with this week's chapter, or three chapters after this week's chapter? I believe three chapters starting with this week's chapter, because, yeah, this news was reported last week as the time it was recording. So, actually, in two weeks, it'll be done. So, if if my math is correct, then the series will probably be ending on whatever issue comes out on... uh, Tuesday, March 28th. Yes, I believe that would be the 18th issue. Okay, then, yeah. So it'll probably be ending on the 28th then. So uh, there we go. And then let's see our uh, our next series that apparently is going to be ending pretty soon. Actually, I think by the time that this podcast is out, because um, apparently on the uh, 119th chapter of, um, of Tonkatsu DJ Agitaro, it was announced on Thursday, March 9th, that uh, the manga would be ending in two chapters. And it was noted that if there were no breaks, that the manga would be ending on its 121st chapter on March 23rd. So, so yeah, basically, by the time that uh, this podcast is out, it'll have ended the day before. I know this series was sort of a cult favorite to say. It was not super popular, but by the people who watched it, they really enjoyed it. I saw the first episode. I didn't get into it that much, but I know Colton really loved it. I know a lot of people really loved it. And I do think it'd be a great addition, the manga, to Wiz's free section. So I hope they do think about that sometime. Yeah, I I watched all of the anime as it was airing, and um, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice little thing. I definitely enjoyed a lot of the music. I even have a bit of the soundtrack on on my phone. I like listening to that. Uh, while I'm out on a walk. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping, like Sid said, yeah, this will maybe hopefully get picked up at some point. I would like to read this in English. And for your fans of the very hot, very popular manga, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which has an anime this season that is really popular, arguably one of the most popular shows of the season, the writer, Cool Kyushinja, has a new manga that's going to be coming out soon. A new romantic comedy that's going to debut on March 27th in Monthly Comic Rex. Deotima Manuel Kamisamatachi no Renai Daiko, otherwise translated known as Agent of the Gods' Love. So, Cool Kyushinsha is known for his very cute uh, comedies, such as I Can't Understand What My Husband Is Saying and Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. So, I think you can expect more cuteness from 
this new four panels gag series. See, I, I didn't make that connection that I can't understand what my husband is saying and um, Dragon Maid were both from the same guy. But like now that I think about it, the character designs for both of those do look pretty similar. I did enjoy I Can't Understand What My Husband Is Saying. I thought that was a pretty good anime, actually. But yeah, I don't know. If I if I had the chance, maybe I'll check it out. I haven't actually gotten the chance to really watch Dragon Maid. Well, actually, I probably shouldn't say that because I I actually really haven't had much of an interest in watching it, or at least not weekly. I'll probably watch it maybe when it's all out. Because um, I, I hear very mixed things about Dragon Maid in particular. Interesting. I've only heard positive things. But either way, because his series have been so popular in anime form, I think that if this manga is popular, we'll see an animated one day too. And maybe that'll be the way we experience it. Or because the I think the manga of Dragon Maid just recently started coming out of here. If that does well, might convince the publisher, believe it's Seven Seas, to also give this manga a chance once it's out in Tankopan form as well. Yeah, yeah. But I guess basically we kind of have an update on the new Roroni Kenshin uh, spinoff coming, otherwise known as uh, the Hokkaido arc. Viz actually posted a an English subtitled interview with Hisashi Sasaki, who is the vice president for Global Shonen Jump at Viz Media and former editor-in-chief of Weekly Shonen Jump, also a former editor of uh, Roroni Kenshin back in the day. And essentially, Sasaki basically discuss kind of his experiences with working with Watsuki, which I thought were really interesting to take a listen to. He basically talks about how, you know, he's been sort of meeting up with Watsuki here and there, kind of in preparation for uh, the Hokkaido arc. Presumably, no, actually, I think it was confirmed that it's probably publishing uh, next month in April. Uh, Sasaki even had like a text message from... Uh, uh, or at least uh, some kind of message on his phone from uh, from Watsky, uh, revealing that uh, Kenshin will be the protagonist of of this new series, and that now it, it says in the subtitles that that the new series will have five acts. So I don't know if like I don't know if in this context he means like it'll be five chapters long or maybe like five arcs. I'm not really sure. I'm going to assume that since this is running in a in a monthly publication. I wouldn't put it past it to maybe be five chapters. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, you know, I just thought it was going to be five arcs because that's what most of the news sites were running with. But, you know, that isn't exactly what Sasaki said. So it actually would make more sense if it's only like five chapters. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Either way, it's cool that we'll be getting new Kenshin. I'm a little disappointed that Kenshin is going to be the protagonist of this new series too, just because his story is kind of done by the end of the original manga, and I thought it would be interesting to see a story focused on the supporting characters more, or even a new protagonist in the Kenshin universe, but all the same, I love Kenshin, he's one of my all-time favorite characters, and I love Verona Kenshin is one of my all-time favorite manga, so I'm just excited for this new manga, all the same. And it was really cool to hear Sasaki talking about his experiences and what's in store for this upcoming new arc of the series. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that. But on to the next thing, I guess. Yes. There's also some cool stuff to look forward to with Magazine, and especially if you're a fan of the highly renowned mangaka group Clamp, they will be debuting a new manga in Shonen Magazine called High and Low. <laughs> it's coming out on March 22nd, so 
I don't know if anyone is going to pick it up. It would be a shame if neither Crunchyroll nor Kodansha themselves just releases this on Simulpub. But, yes, uh, this new series is going to be based on a 10-episode drama called High and Low, Story of the Sword that premiered on TV and Hulu in Japan in 2015 and also had a second season in uh, 2016, as well as a film last year as well. So, so Two obvi- films, so, actually. So obviously, Three films, actually. Huh. <laughs> uh, four films, actually. No. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, this seems to be a really kind of popular franchise at the moment if it's getting that many uh, series and movies. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, to have Clamp attached to your manga and have it running in magazine, that is the mark of a pretty popular franchise for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of this or and if we even get it simul published because I think just even though this, you know, fran- high and low franchise it might be unknown in the states, you know, the name Clamp is still highly regarded. Yeah. So just on that alone, I think Kadansha or Crunchyroll could have a selling point there. I really hope this doesn't end up like the Ruby manga though where like Oh, it's oh, it's a it's a it's a new manga drawn by a popular artist. It's I hope that if it if it's gonna tie into this franchise, that it ties into it well, and that like I I hope that it's something that new readers can get into without having to know about like the lore or anything like already going in. Yeah, it'd be unfortunate if it took the same route as a Ruby manga, but you know we gotta just hope for the best and trust that clamp has better sense and there's just more freedom to do what they want with the property than just retell the trailers and create a filler story at the end for some reason. But while there's a lot to look forward to, there's also some unfortunate news that Inuyasana's Dead Dead Demon DDD Destruction will be hiatus until fall, even though it just returned from hiatus until January. But, you know, I think that's to be expected from a big comic experience thing. I think, you know, that Dead Demons has always had frequent hiatuses, and Billy Bat by Nokia Urasawa back in the day always had a bunch of hiatuses. I think that might just be how big comic experience authors structure their series at this point, based on the patterns I've noticed. But, yeah, you know, if you've really been into that series, I'm a fan of that series. That's on hiatus for a while. But it'll be back, as it always is, so look forward to that in the fall. But I think we should just uh, get on with the rest of our news. Uh, Some interesting stuff here. So um, some really cool stuff is coming out of Netflix that I'm actually kind of interested in. The first of those two things that Netflix announced is that it will be producing a Japanese live-action production of Keisanbei's Erased, otherwise known as uh, Bokudake ga Inaimachi, and the series will debut in 190 countries uh, later this year in the winter and uh, will be directed by Ten Shimoyama. The script will be written by uh, Tomomi Okubo. And apparently it'll be filmed in, in 4K resolution in Hokkaido's Tomokomai City, apparently the real life locale in, in the original manga. The main actor apparently is uh, is also 29 years old, just like uh, just like our main protagonist, Satoru. So that's some nice little, like, interesting attention to detail. I don't know, Sid, do you think you'll be checking this out? Yeah, if it's available in the States, I'll probably try and give it a watch. I'm not the biggest fan of a race, necessarily, but I think it's a good story. I think it definitely 
can be great in adaptation. So I'd like to see what comes of it. There you go. I guess going back to, you know, Gona Guy, you know, some, some, some of his Devilman manga has been announced to be licensed recently. You know, I kind of like this, like, even though I haven't really read a lot of Gona Guy stuff, I kind of like seeing a bit of a resurgence in this work in our uh, modern day. Because it looks like apparently Netflix is also going to be producing an original series based on the Devilman manga entitled Devilman Crybaby and will be premiering in the early spring uh, next year in the year 2018. And will also be available in 190 countries with uh, nine spoken languages and 25 subtitle languages. Um, and this is also significant because it is being directed by Masayuki Yuasa, who I'm going to say his probably his most well-known works, at least in the anime community, would be uh, Ping Pong, the animation and uh, the Tatami Galaxy. I know I know Ping Pong especially is very beloved by the uh, I want to say the Sakuga community. <laughs> And I hear is a very good show. Uh, it's also worth noting that the script will be written by Ichiro Okuuchi, who apparently was responsible for writing the script for Kogios and uh, Valvare. Uh, so I figured uh, people would be interested in some of those credits. Sid, did you see the trailer for this by any chance? Yeah, the trailer looked cool. I'm very interested in this because it's, they say it's going to be a re-adaptation of the original manga with the original ending of the manga. Oh, which really? Which is a cool thing, but, you know, as cool as Masaki Yuasa directing is, I have to be a little wary of Ichiro Okuchi as the scriptwriter because I wasn't a fan of Val Rave and Jis, and he's also written some other less than well-written things, I would say. So I'm a little wary of that, but, you know, if it sticks to the source material, if it has the great directing that Yuasa is known for, I think it'll turn out great, and I'm looking forward to it. And it's wary you know, timely that this is going to be coming out soon, considering that I had already plans to read the Devilman manga, and then, of course, we have the inevitable manga fight showdown between me and Dosh on Devilman that needs to happen sometime soon. But yeah, it's really cool. I hope for the best of it, because I don't think Yuasa's made a thing I haven't liked yet. But Ichiru Okuchi has made things I certainly haven't liked. So it's an interesting combination. I don't know which way it's going to go. Where is it going to go? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be good? Who knows? It's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking this out. I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for it. And I've never read Devil Man. But I admit, what I'm really excited for is what they revealed at Genki Game Festival 2017. The news that... Kino's Journey is going to be getting a new anime. That's right. After 14 years, there is a new TV anime for Kino's Journey that's going to be adapting more of the light novels. And that's pretty cool because Kino's Journey is a very popular series within the anime community, at least our Western community. And the light novel series, you know, they've been going on for a while. They've been going on since the 2000s, and they have 20 volumes so far. So we've only ever really got to experience a small fraction of the story through that 13-episode anime back in 03. The releases of the light novels here, I don't think they got very far. There was not ever a manga adaption for anyone to license until recently. So 
this is really cool that they're just going to finally be getting Morkino's journey, which is definitely one of my favorite anime, so I am really excited for this. So what I'm wondering is, because um, I don't think um, this, like, this was just kind of a basic announcement with no, like, real detail other than, like, Oh, like I, I think I think they they got a different voice cast for most of the characters, or at least some of the main characters. It looks like I'm sure this is probably going to be produced by an entirely different studio or whatnot. That's probably for certain. So I wonder if they're going to like start from the beginning of the novels again, or if they're going to pick up from wherever like the original TV anime left off. That would be interesting. Yeah, Kido's journey is episodic, so they can just pick up from where it left off, and I don't think anyone missed much. Like, they can just re-explain some of the backstory that was revealed in the first core. But, like, all the stories that they did in the first season, they don't have to redo again, because it's an episodic story. I think that'll be an interesting to maybe pay attention to. Yes, for sure. It's probably going to be one of the most highly anticipated anime of the season it comes out, for sure. Probably, yeah. Indeed. Moving on from that, something also that's a little interesting, I don't know if it's highly anticipated or not, but it's interesting for sure, that the publisher HarperCollins, who you know is responsible for publishing a whole sorts of books, they are the self-proclaimed biggest publisher of books in the world, at least that's what their own website claims, but at the very <laughs> least, their Japanese division is going to be launching the a their own manga magazine uh, called Otomi Dolsh. And they're going to be debuting that on March 20th, so by the time you're listening to this, they've already debuted it. And it'll be a quarterly magazine that'll be released on the 20th of March, June, September, and December. So every three months, you know. And it's going to be aimed towards women and publish manga adaptations of novels that depict romance stories between men and women. And so the debut issue... Features an illustration by Saikyo Ikegami, who illustrated the Alexandros Denki and Genju Korintan novels. And the magazine will debut Itsumi Takashi's adaption of Ri Sanina's Hatsukoi Marriage. And serialized three other titles from existing Otomi Doge Comics label, including Sakuya Fuji's adaptation of Sayaka Mizu's Dare no Ni Mo Inai Hanayomi Shugyu. Takao Kasaki's adaptation of Mato Shiraishi's Koshaku-sama no Dokusho Kakari, and Shibuki Shono's adaption of Himemi Mai's Neburinu Ojiwa Midara Nisazu. So, in addition to these series, uh, the magazine's going to have a debut, uh, 125 page one-shot manga. Oh, wow. Big guns for this first imprint. It'll be interesting to see if Harper Collins International or US decides to ever li- license any of these for stateside release. But, you know, it's pretty cool. They're going to dip their toes into manga publishing and see what comes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Now, these next, like, four interest pieces are, like, all catered to Sid. So I'm just going to let Sid report on all of these. <laughs> Indeed, especially considering the first one I'm about to talk about here, which is Rumiko Takahashi's manga, topping 200 million copies in print worldwide. This is very exciting, and it puts Takahashi into an exclusive club, because the only other mangaka to sell more than 200 million copies of their works are the likes of Akira Toriyama, Masashi Kishimoto, Echiro Oda, and Tako Saito. 
So Ruko Takahashi is in the top five in terms of manga circulation of her manga, which is pretty awesome. And, of course, there's going to be a lot of celebrations done on Stone and Sunday's part to commemorate this milestone. In the 17 and 18 issues of Sunday, Takashi will debut a two-chapter one-shot called Senu no Mushi, otherwise known as Millennium Innocence, which is the first time in 18 years that Takahashi has published a one-shot in Shonen Sunday. Not only that, but the magazine will also feature illustrations of Takashi's characters by 29 creators, including Mitsuru Adachi. And... You can find these illustrations on Bomber's blog, Sunday on Tuesday, which he has posted up a preview of them, and there are some choice stuff there. Lots of lovely illustrations. Mostly Lum, Kyoko, Ranma, and Inuyasha, but there are a lot of love thrown to other works of Takahashi's as well, and even other characters. Probably the most unusual choice was Hirakawa trying... Mr. Fujinami from Yurusei Yatsura, which was like a choice I don't think anyone else would have chosen, but it was great. But some really cool stuff to celebrate Takahashi, and with the Inuyasha stage play coming in April, and Rama's 30th anniversary being this year, this is a pretty good time to be a Takahashi fan. Oh, I almost forgot. Yeah, Renee has another season next month. I keep forgetting. Even I keep forgetting about Renee. Everyone forgets about Renee. But yeah, awesome stuff for Takahashi fans. But perhaps even more exciting is for fans of Leiji Matsumoto. Matsumoto has come out recently and said he wants to create a story that ties together all his previous works. And he already has a title for it. Ooh. Just think about it. A work of Matsumoto's that ties together all of his previous works, from Harlock to Galaxy Express 3-9 to Emeraldus to Battleship Yamato? For that'd be pretty crazy. Though it'd probably be pretty confusing, because all the women in the series look like Maytel. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure he'd find a way to, to make them look more distinct. But it's still pretty awesome. I hope Matsumoto makes that manga happen. It needs to happen. It's the ultimate crossover, and I want to see it. So I guess that they're going to be like giant space battles, maybe, hopefully, right? At least like intrigue in space. Squirts are all about space, traveling in space and stuff. You know, honestly, like hearing you list all list off most of his works, and me, me having like a basic understanding of like what all of those individual works are about, I'm just thinking to myself. Actually, yeah, that could work. They're all set in a way that you could make a crossover happen. But that's only scratching the surface of his works. He's done so much, you know? So it'd be crazy to see, like, of all, what, he's done maybe 30 series? Oh, wow. <laughs> how we try, how we tie all of those together. That'd be insane. That would be difficult. Moving on is some controversial news, but news I felt worth discussing because I myself have a little follow-up plan for it in the future. But in case you don't know, in the 10th episode of the Fuka anime, a pretty significant plot twist did not happen that was in the original manga. Truck-kun appeared, but it did not hit Fuka. Fuka didn't die. You see, in the original manga, Fuka died in the fourth volume of the series. And around, like, chapter 33, 36, I believe. So, in the anime, Fuka isn't run over, and she's still alive. 
And apparently the reason why that is, is that Seokuji said himself that he wanted to see a version of the story where Fuka was still alive because, oh, and I remember this so well. Back when it happened, there were a lot of angry complaints from fans about what happened. You know, I guess even he himself had some, had some regrets about it. So wanted to see, okay, what would a version where Fuka lived be like? And the show's producer and the director also were interested in doing the same thing. They wanted to see a story where Fuka lived. So that's great intentions. And as a fan of the Fuka manga, I would have been interested in seeing that kind of version. But they did it wrong. They did it terribly. The execution was completely off. It's not good. I was disappointed. It's not satisfying anyone. <laughs> and you're going to hear more thoughts from me on this in the future. But as a fan of the Fuka manga, who had been reading it from almost the beginning, I started reading it like around chapter 20. That's when I started keeping up with it. Like, I was there. I was there when the chapter where Fuka got run over happened. I, I read that when it was happening. Like, as a fan, from the almost beginning, I was not satisfied by how this turned out. You did it wrong! And I will explain my thoughts on that more later when I have time to do more of a analysis. Does this mean I should start reading Fuka? <laughs> I mean, it'd be interesting to do an episode on Fuka for sure. Like, But I have my own plans of comparing the anime and manga in some form in the future. Okay. But basically, it's interesting that the reason why this happened is because everyone, even Seokuji himself, wanted to see a version where Fuka would survive, be alive, but, you know, they just did it wrong, and I don't know why they even bothered based on how the show's turned out. Yeah, like, it really... I, I haven't watched any of Fuka just because, like, it seemed like from a lot of the people I follow on, like quote-unquote Annie Twitter, it didn't really seem like a, a lot of people, at least not in my bubble, were very, I guess, satisfied with the adaptation of Fuka. It just... Yeah, it's not a good adaptation. That's what I gathered, so I didn't even bother. But uh, I wouldn't mind trying to read the manga, though, especially since it's on Crunchyroll anyway. Yeah, like I said, I was, I'm was i a fan of it, and in our best of 2016, I one of my favorite chapters of the year was a Fuka chapter. Yep. Like, it's, I think it's been going strong. You know, when you change, like, a major point of the story that happens really early on, we're, like, three years from that point, almost. Like, it's the, the series is almost 150 chapters, I think, and that twist happened back in the 30s, you know? So, you know, you're changing a major twist to go off into your own anime original thing. You know, at least it could be done, have done in a more satisfying way. And I think that's the thing that really bugged me, is the fact they kept the scene where the truck appeared at all. They start the scene, but they just pull a fake out. It has no purpose in the context of the episode. You only know what's going on if you had read the manga and you, and you had an expectation of what's coming. But, like, in the purpose of the episode, it's just pointless scene. It's filler. It has nothing. It does nothing. I don't get it. That just sounds like they framed that scene and they executed it that way just to piss off fans. Like, oh, look, look, you're, that that one scene you're looking for is just coming up. Oh, no, 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 no we're not going to do it. We're going to do our own thing. Yeah, that that really sounds like a good way to piss off fans, honestly. 
I'm sure they didn't want to piss off fans. I'm sure they wanted to pleasantly surprise fans that, oh, Fuka didn't die. But no, it just But that sounds like the worst way to do it. It is the worst way to do it. That's why it's bad. This, this adaptation makes bad decisions. Anyway, we're going to end off the show here by looking at a poll, a very interesting poll of anime fans want, specifically of manga that have yet to be adapted. And the most interesting thing that topped this poll that Anime Anime conducted in the completed manga that people want to see in an anime adaption section was Straighten Up by Takuma Yokoda. And Straighten Up just recently ended just a couple weeks ago. But it seems that the series was so popular, or at least it has enough of a fan base that it was able to top this poll of manga that people want to see adapted into anime. And I think that it would be great as an anime. And even though the manga is already over, it'd be cool if, you know, it was still adapted in some form. But Sid, why have a, you know, an adaptation of Straighten Up when, when we already have Welcome to the Ballroom, a, a better dancing manga? <laughs> well, I don't deny that Ballroom might be a better dancing manga. I haven't read it, but there can be more than one dancing anime. Like, no one complains that there's more than one basketball anime. No one complains there's more than one baseball anime. It's just a genre. It's not, it's not like it's, well, two isn't like over doing it, and they're different enough yeah, yeah. from what I know of them. I understand. <laughs> but yeah, that's it's. it was just a pleasant surprise as someone who was a fan of Straight Enough that it topped this list. Other cool surprises in terms of what made this list, well, this one isn't a surprise. Crossbow and Gundam came at number two. Everyone wants a freaking Crossbow and Gundam anime, but Sunrise still hasn't delivered it to us. I don't know why they're blowing money away by not doing it. They should just do it, because that's what everyone wants. But uh, what is a pleasant surprise is that Karakuri Circus by Kazuhiro Fujita came in number three, which is great because I was a huge fan of Ushio and Tora. I am really interested in seeing more Fujita stuff being adapted into anime form. And I hope it happens because that's probably more likely to happen than the his manga ever getting licensed and released over here. There are actually a lot of Shonen Jump series that had ended a long time ago, that were kind of cult hits that are on this list. Siren comes in at number five. Muyo and Roji comes in at number six. M-Zero coming in at number nine. And Soul Catchers coming in at number ten. All those could have made interesting anime for sure. A lot of those titles I've always been like really interested in reading. I, I know Siren definitely had its fan base, even to the point where Viz even picked that up. I remember Viz picked it up, and then I think right after they picked it up, I think it was getting canceled in the um, in the original Jump, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Muyo and Roji, I've been interested in reading for a long time. Muyo and Roji is a series that, like, you kind of have to buy. I don't think there are any translations of it online, at least not that I could find. So you have to buy that. So I'm being forced to buy that. So there you go. You're welcome, Shueisha. Actually, Yandere Kanojo is interesting to me because a friend of mine actually came up to me one day and was like, hey, have you ever read this? And I'm like, oh, no. And from what I've seen of that, it seems like it could be a cute little, like, adaptation of a four coma kind of thing. So maybe that could be popular. Yes. 
An interesting one on this completed list, too, is Kodoku no Gourmet by Masakiyuki Kusumi and Jiro Tanaguchi. And maybe we could get an anime adaption of Gourmet to, you know, maybe honor his memory a little bit. That'd be nice. Also interesting is the incomplete manga that people want to receive an anime list. Some stuff I don't know on here, but the stuff I do know I certainly agree with, including Delicious in Dungeon by Ryoka Kui, which the manga will be released by Yen Press starting in May, which I'm very excited about. Cells at Work by Kaishimizu, which the manga of is already being released over here. Promise Neverland at number 9, you all know that if you listen to the show. I think that's actually, of the 10 listed here, the most likely to get an anime in the next year or so. Yeah. And then one that everyone always has wanted an anime of, but one that probably will never happen, is Yotsubed number 6 by Kiyohiko Azuma. And I know the desire to see Yotsubed animated, but at the same time... The series has a Calvin and S. Hobbes S. quality that I feel would be lost if it ever were translated into another medium. And I know Ozma feels the same way, which is precisely why he has refused to have any offers of anime adaptation of Yotsuba. So as much as people want it, I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. I think number one is, um, I don't remember exactly what the translated title of this was. I think Takaki-san manga, I think is the same one that we reported on a little while ago where, uh, there was a contest being held for like a one shot based around the world of that manga. Yes. And the winner would get their own spin-off manga of Takaki-san serialized. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that Takaki-san top being complete list and considering that kind of contest was just being conducted so recently, I wouldn't be surprised if the series is picking up in popularity enough that we could see an anime adaptation of it sometime soon. And it looks like a cute series, so that'd be kind of nice. From what I remember at the premise, it seems like it could be uh, it could be a cute little uh, thing, kind of like, um, oh, what was that one series called? Now I can't remember. You you might remember this one. The, the one with, with, with the two kids in class and they're like both just doing whatever in the back of the classroom, like the, the master of wasting time or something. Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember what the title is, but I think you know what series I'm talking about. It could be something like that or something, but uh, I didn't know that the Mr. Nietzsche says, I can't, re- I can't ever pronounce that, in the convenience store. I know that has a drama on Crunchyroll, which I've watched a little bit of, and it's pretty funny. I didn't know that had a manga. A lot of Japanese dramas are actually based on manga, so that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, if that already got a live-action drama, I wouldn't be surprised to see an anime of it sometime in the future either. Yeah, that is a very funny series. Uh, I don't watch a lot of drama, but uh, I really need to watch more of that. It was so good. But uh, yeah, th- these are some really interesting results. I-, I would not mind seeing some anime adaptations for some of these. I- I'm interested myself. You know what would be really interesting? What? An anime of Black Clover. Oh, wait, that's already happening, isn't it? Wow, we should really talk about that. Oh, wait, we have guests. We do have ways to talk about that. We have a reason to talk about that. We should. Let's transition into the next thing. And now it's time for us to talk about our discussion topic for this week, Black Clover. Uh, Annalisa, I was hoping you would do your Black Clover screen. Black Clover. 
I didn't know if it was appropriate. I'm sorry. <laughs> so as you might have heard, we have a special guest, everyone's favorite magical talking ghost camel letterer, Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Annalisa? You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Excited to talk about Black Clover? I am always excited about Black Clover. Anything about Black Clover. I'm so excited, I can't even talk. <laughs> yeah, we're all got a little tongue twist tied here today because we're all very excited. We've got uh, a full, a big show today because we have four people on as opposed to our usual two. Like two guests, that's a first for Manga Mavericks. That's pretty yeah. exciting. We should also mention that we have uh, Maxi Bernard on from French Ever Victory as well. Yay! At, at this point, I'm probably more of the Mank Mavericks than I am French Ever Victory. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> N- n- number, number one manga Mavericks correspondent, Maxi Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get it on business cards. It'll do me well. All right, good. <laughs> But I wanted to first just introduce Annalisa to the audience in case you haven't, uh, you don't follow her on Twitter or you haven't heard her before on the Shonen Jump podcast or the weekly manga recap podcast. So Annalisa is a letterer working for Wiz and she works on Shonen Jump series, including the topic of our show, Black Clover, as well as World Trigger and a whole bunch of other series as well. Yes, a lot of series. Most importantly... Black Clover and World Trigger, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. So <laughs> what is a manga letterer, Annalisa? What does your job entail? How is it different from an editor and a translator? So uh, a translator, as people probably know, will take the Japanese and translate it into English. Uh, the letterer gets that script and has all of the Japanese pages and replaces all of the Japanese with the English equivalents as given to me by the translator. Uh, so and anything that was in Japanese, it's my job to make it in English, if that makes any sense. A lot of people, when, when I try to explain this to a lot of people, they think I'm actually the translator, but I have nothing to do with <laughs> translating the manga. See, from, from, from my understanding, what it seems like you do, like, especially on when, when, you're, uh, when you're working on these, um, when you're working on these simul-published uh, published titles um, for the Digital Weekly Show to Jump, um, it seems, it's, I think it's obvious that you do a lot of this through uh, Photoshop, if I'm assuming correctly. Uh, yes. Actually, for the, uh, for the simul pages, with simul uh, releases, it's a lot of InDesign, because I don't have to do a lot of touch-up work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm just like, uh, if, if uh, listeners don't, read uh jump weekly uh you'll see the sound effects are subtitled um the text is all replaced you know whatever but uh the sound effects are all subtitled but then if you get the graphic novel all the sound effects will be in english so you do both of those yes so i I do both of those for all of my series I, i do both the graphic novels and the digital weekly chapters if if they are being released yeah and i imagine Touching up the sound effects in the graphic novels can be quite a pain because you have to redraw the backgrounds for a lot of the time. Yeah, it, it's uh, putting the text on is probably like for a whole book. So that's about <laughs> 180, 190 pages. It's probably about 10, 15 hours, maybe 
that might be a little Oof. high. But doing the sound effects is probably about 60, 70 hours. Wow. Ooh. Just for one book. For one book, yeah, yeah. But books are probably between about 60 hours and 100, 120 hours per book. Wow. And how long Eesh. does a chapter of a simulpub uh, usually take? It depends uh, how used to the series I am. Like uh, Black Clover takes about an hour and a half, two hours, uh, depending on uh, the touch-up. Because so- sometimes I do have to touch up things like if uh, there are sound effects like in speech bubbles or if there's a, a side text or if there's a double page spread, I have to clean the middle. But usually it's, it's about an hour and a half. But that's because I'm used to Black Clover. Mm. So I know how it flows. Uh, when I was doing Hungry Murray for the jump start, it was probably two and a half hours just because I wasn't as used to the flow or how the text would fit and stuff like that. Hmm. So it can go pretty fast sometimes if you're used to the series and it's not as like strenuous a task of doing an entire while, which makes sense because one chapter a week is different than working on 10 chapters in a full book. Yeah, yeah. It's it, The weekly stuff is generally pretty quick work, um, which is good because we have to get it out very quickly. Right. Yeah, I, I, I assume you, you receive those chapters only so soon before they're set to be released. Yeah, yeah. We receive them always on the same day with the same amount of time to go. And it, I mean, it has to go through the translator, then the editor to edit the script, then me, then the editor to go over my stuff, then back to me, depending on the series, to do the correction, then back to the editor, and then it goes around the office to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. So it has a long process to go in a very short time. Yeah, a lot of approvals. I have to be made, yes, it seems. lots of approvals. <laughs> so, so actually, I, I want to ask about something in particular, because um, sometimes in Black Clover, I notice that um, it, it does that weird kind of thing that, like, I think I remember Bleach doing a lot, where, like, um, during a lot of, like, uh, the climactic uh, action scenes or whatever... Um, there'll be these like really ragged like text bubbles with really like scratchy text do you guys know what i'm talking about oh like like when they're shouting and stuff yeah what's it what's it like doing those oh i always whenever i see this i always sigh because that just means more work for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, uh... i am i imagine those are a bit of a pain yeah they're they're fun because it's there's always a lot of emotion and energy in them but especially the Black Clover ones, usually the text, the Japanese text, will come out of the bubble. So that means I have to clean up <laughs> around the bubble. Um, I mean, but but it is it is fun. Like I, I I always appreciate when a chapter doesn't have Austin yelling at other people uh, oh because boy. it means less work for me. Those are kind of a rarity, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it, it's fun because it's uh, the way I do those is usually I, I have a font. And I'll kind of arrange the letters as, you know, it fits and how I think it looks in a way I think that looks kind of cool. And then I'll usually go over and kind of like, like draw on top of it to give it a more, uh, I guess, hand done look. Hmm, okay. uh, so it, it, it's fun, but it does. Each of those pages probably adds a good 10, 15 minutes to the end time of the chapter. So 
when he shouts a lot, it's it's a lot longer. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to say 10 to 15 hours. <laughs> oh, no. No, goodness. Thank you. Thank goodness. Not that much. What's the most difficult series you've had to letter? Um, I'll give you three for different reasons. Ooh, okay. Black Clover is very difficult because there's a lot of action, a lot of sound effects on every page. Uh, there was one scene I did, maybe volume six or volume seven, that was Charmy eating, and she's a very noisy eater. And I think there were 17 different sound effects on that page. Wow. And they all had to be in like a different font? Yeah, they all had to be unique but match the match the original and i was just like charming please but they, <laughs> it, it's such an action heavy series there's you know always action going on if there's not there's stuff going on in the background so it, it's a very time-consuming series that said it doesn't have a lot of tone in it in comparison to some other series so it's just time consuming it's not hard all the time then i have uh Made Sama, which is a, a shoujo series, and they just never stop talking. <laughs> oh boy. So the sound effects usually aren't that hard, but when I put the text in, it takes like, uh, if I were to do put the text into one whole volume, uh, I could usually do it in a day, maybe a day and a half, but Made Sama takes four days. Wow. Because they don't stop talking! <laughs> and there's always, like, people in the background talking, so that's another font. And But then, also, the third series, for a completely different reason, is Goodnight Poon Poon. Because it is the most depressing <laughs> series. And and we release it as uh, Omnibuy, so it's always a, a two-in-one. So it's between 400 and, like, 470 pages of just depression. Wow. So when, yeah. By the time I finish that, I'm just like, oh, let me just, oh, let's go back to Black Clover. Yay, they're fighting and everybody's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, give it, it's friend. a total mood with Blush. I imagine you <laughs> yeah. go from Poon Poon to Black Clover. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> definitely Whiplash. So, so those, those are the hardest ones, I'd say, but for completely different reasons. Yeah, and I imagine Poon Poon's also hard to work on in public, considering some of oh. the content. Oh my goodness! I I'm so blind to the like what's going on in manga sometimes because I I'm a freelancer, so I work from home. But I I, I try to go out and like I've got a Starbucks nearby and just to be around people, so I'm not some like crazy hermit. And so I'll be working at Starbucks and then like I'll open a page and be like, this is inappropriate. But I'll be like halfway through the page and like, who, oh, goodness. Oh, what have I done? Oh, like there's a series, I, I, there's a, there's a page in Poon Poon. Yeah, because it's, it's so depressing and it's, it's really dark at times. And I was halfway through it and I realized Poon Poon masturbating. Yeah, and you had to letterate a bunch of sound effects where it's like, fap, 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 Yeah, fap. yeah, the field of fap. And I was just like, you know, I just, I don't think. And I'll do this in public and be like, oh my god, what am I doing? See, at that point, I'd be like, well, this is my job. <laughs> yeah. I, when I was a much younger letterer, I worked on more uh, yaoi titles. Mm. And there were times when I just, I needed to get out of the house. And so I'd go to Starbucks, but 
like I'd sit in a corner so nobody could see my screen. I was like, oh, this is fine. So I'm working on this very dirty scene. And I look up and there's a mirror above me that's tilted. <laughs> oh no. I was just like, first off, why would you put a tilted mirror there? Like, why? <laughs> and second, oh god, everybody was seeing the gay porn I was working on. Oh no. <laughs> oh wow, that's terrible and funny. <laughs> I, I hope nobody actually noticed and just went about their day getting their coffee and whatever, but yeah, hopefully everybody was too busy working on their novels or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh man. Who knows, if you got lucky, like, some people saw the art, got curious, and you got them into buying the series somehow. Like, it, anything could happen. <laughs> could have been a positive, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, somebody just, come, somebody just comes up to you, hey, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> when, when people do come up to me at, at Starbucks or, or wherever I'm working... They're like, oh, what are you doing? And I try to explain it. And they're like, oh, so you translate Japanese? I'm like, does it look like, a- no, so here's the strip and here's the Japanese page. And they're like, so you translated? I was like, yeah, I translated it. <laughs> sure. But speaking of translators, here's a question I've always wondered. So when you look at the credits in the back of the Shonen Jump, uh, uh, back of the Shonen Jumps and see like who worked on each series, the Black Trover translator is listed as HC Language Solutions Incorporated. <laughs> is is that an is that a person going by a pseudonym or is it a team? <laughs> I'm. I think it's a person that perhaps works at a translation company. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I'm pretty sure it's the same person, the same woman every week because it's hmm. the same style translation every week. So like, I think, I think it's somebody, it, it could just be somebody that they're the only person that works at the translation company, but they hmm. have a c- company for tax purposes or, or whatever. But, but that that does vary. Like there are places that oh, I can't. I was just talking to an editor about it recently, but I can't remember the name of the company. But there there is a company that has like four different translators, but they all go under the same company name. Huh. It was just something that always really interested me because it was you see a bunch of irregular names, and then there's just this one company name. And it's like, huh? Do they outsource the Black Clover translation? That's interesting. Yeah. I've, I've got the volumes in front of me, and this is where I get to be the annoying, boring person ruining a conversation. But does it not mention, uh, I, I don't know anyone's stuff, uh, Taylor Engel as translator for the series? Because that's uh, who the volumes has got along with HC Solutions. Hmm. Well, not in the Shonen Jumps, but maybe they list someone else in the volumes too. I don't yeah. have the volumes in front of me, unfortunately, to check myself. But yeah, like every week and ever since Black Clover was first being published by Viz, like it was list, it lists HC Language Solutions as the translator. So I've always wondered about that. Maybe, uh, maybe that's the person who's translating along with that company. I'm not sure. Maybe. I, I would assume that maybe that's, that's the head translator from the company working on Black Clover. Yes. <laughs> Probably. I'm I'm not sure. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of contact with uh, translators. Mm, okay. Hmm. So the few I do know uh, are are the are the types that just use their name and they don't work for a company. So I, I can't speak much to that. Sorry. 
Okay. But to start talking about you again, I just wanted to ask how you got started as a letterer and then how you got started working on Black Clover. Uh, all right. So, so when I was in college, I found out that Viz had internships. And Viz is based in uh, San Francisco in California. And I live about an hour east. So it was something that, that I could, if I was able to get the internship, I, I could, you know, make the commute. And by some miracle, I, I did end up getting uh, an internship. I, I swear there must have been no other applicants. <laughs> because, because later, later uh, interns were so much more qualified than I was. Like I talked to people that interned after I, I did it. I'm like, what? What? You're doing an internship for Viz and for Pixar? Who are you? <laughs> what? God. I'm just I'm like, I, I had just finished my second year of college when I, when I did this internship, and I didn't know what I was doing. But um, one of the jobs they had me do was they were putting out a Shonen Jump issue number zero book, and it had, like, special Naruto color pages, and the letterer for Naruto was an, unable to letter them or they didn't ask the letterer because they had, uh, you know, this lame intern that they could just force work on. And so they had me letter these, these color pages and I'd never done anything like it. And I thought it was really fun and people do this for a living. Wow. Let me try to, you know, figure this out, see if I can do this. And so they had me uh, turn in my resume and then take a test, which was like five different pages from different series. And it was, I did an awful job, <laughs> but apparently it was just not awful enough that I was put in a letterer pool, like Ooh. pool, pool, sorry, a letterer pool. And so if people need a, need a letterer, they can like go into this file and find somebody. And luckily within a couple of weeks, I started work on Ultimate Muscle. Wow, that's awesome. I imagine it must have been a big challenge to, you know, letter a color page like it's your first big assignment. Yeah, I really like, I don't know how I did it, what I did for it, because it, it was so long. I wish I had a copy of that. It probably looks awful. But yeah, it, it was it was difficult. And, and uh, Kishimoto-sensei uses uh, markers, so trying to match the marker strokes with... Uh, just trying to match them in general, you know, to make it look natural was mm. difficult. But yeah, I wish I wish I knew uh, where that work was. It was probably really, like, hilariously bad. That was a long time ago, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it turned out very well if they, you know, <laughs> if they kept hiring you. <laughs> I, I, I think maybe they were just desperate. And then, and because... So, so I, I worked all through uh, the last three years of college doing lettering, ju just a couple series. And I think after, like, after that, I, I decided I wanted this to be my profession. So I wanted to do it full time. And I think maybe they, they kept giving me work because I moved back to my hometown, which again is not that far from San Francisco. So I'd, I'd go into the office and kind of bother people. So it'd always be on their mind when they needed a, a letter. <laughs> so, you know, I'm definitely not the best choice. But they think of me anyway, because I'm Cause there. Because you're always enough. around. Yeah, yeah. 
That's a good way to keep in people's memories and impressions and, like, make sure that, oh, when they need someone for a job, then, oh, yeah, this person's around. Let's get them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. I feel like it's a little bit cheating because I don't think any other letterers live close enough to visit on a regular basis. But, hey, I'll take it. And for that test you did where you had to letter five uh, different se- five pages of five different series, were they a diverse set of series that challenged you in different ways? Yes, they were they were very different. There were I don't remember all of them, but there was a uh, page from Oron High School Host Club, so it was very shoujo, very high activity. There's a page from oh, what was it? Mayor? I think was the title. And that was just a, yeah, yeah. And that was just a a high uh, action-y pose thing. And then there was Beat the Vama Buster. But it was was just a very, like, look at this big field we have, and here's a tiny sound effect. I don't remember the other ones, but it was was a big variety. So it, it covered a lot of ground. Yeah, it sounds really cool, though, to get to be challenged in different ways. And it you did, must have done a great job, once again, because they <laughs> keep hiring you. <laughs> I, I think at the time it was just just okay. Like, I, I do have copies of those pages, and I looked at them. Uh, I, I moved recently, so I, I found them again. I looked at them like, wow, I wouldn't hire me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're always very critical of our old work, especially, like, if we've come a long way since yeah. then. And especially since, for you, those were, like, ten years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really appreciate Viz for uh for giving me a chance and and letting me uh believing in me enough to give me some work and I don't feel so terrible about my work now. So <laughs> That's good. It only took 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how did you get started working on Black Clover? So, uh, as people probably remember, Black Clover was a jump start, a pretty early jump start. And uh, I think when it comes to jump starts, usually they're just kind of sprinkled around letterers that can take them on. I don't know why I was given Black Clover, but I, I was offered it. And I was like, yeah, sure, new series, whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any special reason I was, I was given it. I remember being a little upset. Because at the same time, uh, Kagami Gami was coming out. That was another mm-hmm. jumpstart at the time. Oh, yeah. And I was the letterer for Siren, mm-hmm. which was the mangaka's previous work. And so I, I really wanted Kagami Gami because I was like, oh, this is, this is really, you know, like, oh, it's his new stuff. I love his stuff. Oh, I've read all of his series. Oh. <laughs> but I got Black Clover instead. And again, I don't, I don't remember why I was given it, if it was just random and I was offered it and I said yeah, then found out about Kagami Gami later. I, I don't really remember, but uh, I, I guess I got lucky because it was kept. <laughs> yeah. Kagami Gami did, was cancelled and didn't even run fully in a jump, so I, I guess it was just lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was wondering then, what was your first impressions of Black Clover when you first started working on it? Oh, let me think. I remember thinking, man, this main character is pretty dumb. <laughs> this is this guy's kind of an idiot, but he's a lovable idiot. It's like I can't hate him. He he's kind of annoying, 
but he tries so hard, you know? I mean, he's, he's got that real shoulder skirt. And as I read through the first chapter, I was like, this isn't anything new. I've definitely seen this done before, you know, a dozen or more times. He wants to be, you know, the best thing. He, he wants to get stronger. There's something wrong with, you know, these are just, these are shonen tropes. But at the end, I just felt so like, yeah, shonen spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can do it. Fight hard. Yeah. Have your friends. And it was just, <laughs> it was, in my opinion, the best example of just a pure shonen series. There's not really anything deep about it. I agree with that. I think Black Clover really does exemplify like shonen in its purest form. And I think that's a large part of its appeal. Yeah, yeah, it just, it's just like, yeah, pure shonen, and there's something refreshing about that. Like, you don't really have to think that hard when you read it. Yeah. It's not a deep series, like I said, it's it's a kind of simple series, but it's just fun, and I really like that, so. And I think that my first impressions were also along the same way. I remember I actually quite enjoyed the first chapter when it first came out. Now I did, I mean, as everyone points out, there are a lot of similarities with Naruto's first chapter. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I did find Asta endearing in like this pure shonen way in terms of like, yeah, I'll never give up. I'm not done yet as his catchphrase is. And yeah. I, d- and I thought the arc was really strong. Like, the final, like, two-page spread of that first chapter where Asta and Yuno are, like, giving each other a fist bump, and in the background is, like, that skull head, like, uh, yeah. cave mountain thing. That was a really cool image, and I was really impressed by the art of the series. And, yeah, going forward, I think that the series has had ups and downs, I remember. But, you know, I, oh, I always felt like there was a lot of, uh, spark here. While people have often, you know, compared Black Clover to other shonen series, I think that it still puts just enough of a fresh spin to feel like its own thing. Yeah, yeah, like the, it definitely falls into a lot of tropes, and there's a lot of tropes that are prevalent in today's Shonen Jump series. So it is easy to look at it and be like, oh, well, he wants to be the Wizard King. Oh, that's kind of like the Hokage. Oh, so it's mm-hmm. copying Naruto. <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. Or like, look, he's kind of dumb. Kind of like Luffy, you know? <laughs> and it, it's really easy to compare it to other series. But yeah, I agree. It has enough of its own spark, of its own life. And it, it takes a bunch of tropes and it kind of mixes them together in a fun way. Yeah. And so I think we should also move on to everyone, how everyone else's first impressions were. Maxi, uh, how, how did you, how were, what were your first impressions of Black Clover and have they changed over time? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was grinning to myself with talk of it being like sort of this exemplar of just what's shown in comics. Like, I'm just like, yes, that's exactly <laughs> how I think of it pages. Uh, I didn't really dig the first chapter like i didn't think it was a rip-off of anything uh maybe it had a little too much of a touch of that fairy tale feeling and that's like it's never really escaped but like uh as, as soon as the second chapter came out i just had this moment of just realizing how massively i had misjudged the series and like it it does just f- fill that unusual space of uh of just hitting every single beat as to what you'd expect from a Shonen series and more so a Shonen Jump series. It reminded me a lot of Buso Renkin, of all things, 
because you it's the sort of series you could pop in front of someone at any point that's run and say you'll probably understand it it's not just action it's like hitting all sorts of genres at once and it's fun i could see that yeah and that's never really changed. Like, the only thing I think it doesn't show in Comic Booster Ranking is I feel like that series uh, played with romance a lot, whereas this kind of uses that more as a sort of joke or background <laughs> matter while it's going forward. Yeah. Which is good, because I don't, I don't think Asta has the emotional maturity as a character <laughs> to deal with romance. <laughs> no arguments here. And as it's, as it's gone on, it's actually become my absolute favorite series running uh in shonen jump right now both in japan and in the the viz editions i'm so happy it's just got this sort of special feeling to each week where you just you know you're gonna have a great time and uh especially with the latest arc which really came close to perfection for like the sort of thing i want to see from the series it was actually pretty great timing that we decided to record this when we did because the arc like just ended last week. And it was a pretty good note, to, you know, especially for Colton, who is catching up to leave off on to do this discussion. Yeah, I was I was honestly really afraid that like I, I almost didn't want to catch up with it because I wasn't sure if I was going to have to stop in the middle of an arc. And that would have honestly bothered the crap out of me, really. <laughs> um <laughs> But no, Maxi. So I, I wanna, I wanna ask you about this because, like, it still kind of baffles me that, like, so, so out of everything in the jump lineup currently, Black Clover is your favorite. Yeah, like it's close run with uh, uh, Isabe Isabe Monogatari, but it takes me about a month to read through a single volume of that series, and I have to import it uh, from Japan. So like. <laughs> that that's a lot lower on my list for that simple reason but yeah like nothing rivals it i I go cold on other series in sorts of waves but black clover's maybe had one chapter since i really got hooked with the second one like there's only been one chapter since then where i was kind of like i mean uh it's just that 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 opinion is just really interesting to me um <laughs> I like things, Colton. Uh, imagine, imagine, imagine having warmth in your heart. That's what it's like. Uh, uh, see, Maxie, I I don't know that feeling, so I can't I can't relate to that. Um. <laughs> hey, I live in the cold, frigid temperatures of Minnesota, where it can sometimes get below negative ten. But and even I have a warm, soft, welcoming heart for Black Clover, Colton. It's because the shonen spirit burns strong and hot. Yes, it keeps me warm in the cold <laughs> nights of winter. See, I think this is this is just going to get into why I feel the way I do about Black Clover, and I think I think I, you know, I honestly, Sid, can, can, can I can I just start talking about what I think about Black Clover? I think this is a good as transition as any. Sure. So. I, I'm going to try not to take too long because I really want to go through my journey kind of beat by beat because I, cause I, I really feel like I had an opinion about the series going in because I, I, I did read that first chapter when it was just premiering as a jumpstart and I remember totally hating it. I'm not even going to mince words. Uh, and I, I thought kind of like everybody else, like, yeah, this just kind of feels like Naruto. I'm not really in the mood to read any more Naruto, so I'm not going to read any more of this. So imagine my surprise when this gets picked up, and I'm like, "Oh, they picked up that." I I would have, like, uh, I kind I think I kind of sort of agree with Annalise that, like, you know, I know she likes Black Clover now, but at the time, I I probably I would have preferred Kagami Gami just because I felt like I would have liked to read more of that. It, it was more original and it's something new. I thought. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I totally, you know, I totally wrote it off after that. And for, you know, the next two years, I didn't even really think of it. And then, you know, when we're recording the show and we start talking about how it's, you know, getting an anime, I'm like, you know, it, that just kind of puts things in perspective for me. Like, they wouldn't give this thing an anime if it weren't popular. So so the fact that it that it's been in jump for 2 years makes me think well there's got to be something to this like does it has to get better um <laughs> so I decided you know on the show that I was going to read all of black clover so I could talk about it on the show and see how I felt and you know when I started reading it again when I actually started reading it for real from the beginning and I read that first chapter again I still don't like the first chapter like hmm. cuz I I feel like the first chapter in terms of like it's first impressions. I I feel like it doesn't do it any favors because I, you know, and and I understand now that you know it's just it's just shown in its purest form. And you know some 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 people enjoy that. Others I think kind of look for more in what they're reading. And I feel like I kind of fall into that category a little bit because I'm I'm so used to I'm, I'm so used to reading stuff like uh, I don't know like a Gintama or One Piece or. You know, just series like that that, you know, are still shonen, but still sort of make an attempt to to try and try and really be its own thing and really try to kind of step out of its boundaries just a little bit. So it's not just pure shonen, which I, I do appreciate. Um Well, I do feel it's kinda unfair to lobby that complaining is Black Clover just on the first chapter. I mean, One Piece and Gintama took time to build up to what they became. This is true, yeah. Um, I also do feel, you know, even though there are a lot of similarities to Naruto's first chapter, that's not a bad structure to emulate, because in my opinion, Naruto's first chapter is one of the best first chapters of any Shonen Jump series, in terms of how it introduces you to the character of Naruto and gets you invested in his emotional journey. Mm-hmm. And even though there are similarities in terms of some of the plot beats in the Black Clover chapter, I think it's also successful in the same way and how it introduces Asta and makes you, you know, want to root for his journey. And in particular, one thing that it does that the Naruto chapter doesn't is that it creates this connection between Asta and Yuno that's interesting that unfortunately the series doesn't focus on enough because you know it's an around enough even though he's on the character page every week (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i think that that connection is presented really strongly in the first chapter and i think there is a lot enough about it that i can that can you know get you behind what this series is about and these characters are now see sid i actually sort of disagree a little bit with that because I I felt like when I when reading Black Clover I actually felt like um I like I do agree I, I do think the first chapter of Naruto is pretty good but I also think that um, I actually think Naruto's character was set up a little better um, I felt like Naruto was very easy to like Naruto as a character I think is actually not a bad one as as annoying mm-hmm. as most people think he is which you know I understand that but I also think that's sort of the point. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but he's a he's a teenage boy. He's going to act like a teenage boy, exactly. Because uh, most Western readers tend to skew a little bit older. They often kind of hit that point of going, "Oh, that's annoying." Whereas uh, to the more sort of traditional younger audience, it's like, "Oh, they're just like me." <laughs> and- well, Naruto actually has a really good character arc and actually matures as he 
grows older. Like he is, he is a different character in Shape of Them than he is at the beginning of the series. The annoying thing about him as the series goes on is his obsession with Sasuke. But yeah, that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, the, the the point I wanted to make is that I actually, when when comparing the two characters, when I really thought back on on Naruto. I really felt like, thinking back, you know, Naruto, I felt like was a little more sympathetic of a character. And, you know, especially if you're at the right age, you know, reading that sort of thing, you know, you can, like, it's sort of like Naruto, I think, could be a very relatable character, which is why I think that character works. But, you know, when I was reading Black Clover, I do just want to say right off the bat, I was annoyed as shit with Asta. What's it? Oh, <laughs> so, oh, just sticking the protagonist on blast. <laughs> I think a big difference between Naruto and, and Asta. Naruto, he has a lot of sadness. He's kind of depressed in a way at the beginning because he has no friends, he has no family. So he's like he's I constantly made fun chapter. of. Yeah, he's made fun of and stuff, and he you can see that it affects him. Naruto's not a smart character. Asta's really not a smart character. He just doesn't care. So you can see people are like, you're an idiot. He's like, oh man, say that to my face. And they're like, you're an idiot. He's like, yeah, okay. But I'm going to get stronger. You know? And he doesn't really wallow in anything. And I mean, it's, it's something you see throughout the series. He doesn't wallow in self-pity or anything, which I'm not saying that Naruto does, but there'll be times when he feels down and he's like, oh, you know, like things suck right now. And that's that makes him, I think, perhaps a more rounded character. Whereas Austin's just like, I'm a bull and I'm charging forward and nothing can stop me. <laughs> Which is, is fun, but I think less relatable. I feel like it's kind of a like, cool little message to that as well. Because, you know, he is always charging on being optimistic and like, doing his best. Despite the fact that like outside of the strength he's built through doing that, like, he's completely talentless. Yeah, it, it's inspirational to me. Like, look at this stupid kid with no power and he just charges through i mean yeah his whole thing you know like i'm not giving up not yet not yet you know it's it's inspirational and i use that on myself when i work on black clover like i really don't want to do this i really i I have so much work to do i could just get no not yet not yet think of austin not yet (laughs) not done yet yeah, not done yet. <laughs> oh boy! Um, I really do think that's the appeal of Asta, and why I do like him is that he just never gives up in the face of any diversity. I do agree with Colton that Naruto is a more well-rounded character, and his struggle with the people around him is presented better in the first chapter mm. of his series. But at the same time, I think I do very much appreciate Asta's enthusiasm and and how. Uh, he doesn't shake in the face of adversity. Like when he's, his arms are broken in later in the series. And, you know, he's told like, uh, you're never going to be able to use your arms again. Like, you know, he does sit and contemplate that for a while, but then he like gets, he, then he like gets, he pumps himself up and he says, I'm not going to let this keep me down. I'll fight with my legs if I have to. I'm not going to give up on my dream. And, you know, I, I really like that moment with Asta. It was really nice. I, I personally, and this sounds terrible, I, I enjoy seeing characters wallow in despair sometimes. <laughs> oh man, Kundun is the really perfect st- series for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that sounds really bad, but I kind of like to see how they deal with it, you know, how they get over this. Oh yeah. But with Asta, it's, it is kind of a breath of fresh air in, in a way, because yeah, he's like 
oh, this really sucks, but I'll get over it. You know, I can do this. I can do it. I'll find another way. It's okay. You know, like it's, yeah, I mean, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but like, yeah, it's, it's refreshing in a way. And, and see, like, you know, reading more of it, because I didn't really understand that appeal at first, but I, I kind of get it because, because as much as I, as, as, as much as I don't think, um, I mean, here's the thing, like, I don't think Asta is a very interesting character. But I also can see how I can also see why to other people he'd be very endearing, especially to because um, Maxi, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I've seen you on your blog mention how Black Clover is very popular with a younger audience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, it's kind of stupid, but the the easiest way to tell whether a series is popular with a young audience as far as uh, Weekly Shonen Jump series go is and don't ever put too much in a table of contents kids don't <laughs> but if a series tends to be towards the front of the magazine but the volumes don't sell massive amounts that's usually a sign that kids are reading the magazine because uh they'll more often than not get the magazine not by the volumes hmm. and so like they'll read they'll vote for it but when when it comes to actually buying the volume you know they're kids they don't have that much disposable income they have enough for the magazine and so like it's kind of a good mark. You have this with uh, the Sumo series as well. Uh, uh, Hinamaru Sumo. Thank you, yeah, which is another fantastic example, just a series that does well with our audience. But Black Clover's kind of, uh, I think, hit it a little better because it's a lot easier to adapt into stuff like animes and novels and everything. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so keeping that in mind, I could totally see the appeal of having your main character be just this just this bullheaded kid who's like no okay my arms are broken uh, whatever i'll get over it like i can see that being a good like like a good like positive reinforcement for uh, like a like i can see asta being somewhat of a positive role model for for a younger audience so i can i can appreciate that at least well, he's he's good for comedy as such as well because <laughs> he can get the heck smashed out of him and like just get up and be like, "Yeah, I'm ready for more." Like, and it's it's a simple sight gag, and it's it's never failed to make me laugh. I will say that the more I I feel like the more I get used to his personality, the more I do find his reactions to things and his his gags actually kind of I I find myself kind of chuckling, especially, and I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit, but uh, I think one of my favorite moments so far is um, is when he's fighting uh, one of the Shining Eight Generals at the end of the uh, Witch Forest arc, and uh, he's begging Asta to not to to let him go, and Asta's like, no. I'm uh, see I see I know I'm dumb and I'm going to I'm going to fall for it. So I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> which I which I thought was actually genuinely pretty funny cuz it, it was so it's so like that cuz it felt like a sort of a subversion of like uh that one moment from Dragon Ball where you know, Goku is fighting a uh, Tao Pai Pai, and Tao is like, "Oh, please forgive me." And Goku's like, "Okay, I forgive you." Like I, I I thought that was a really interesting moment, honestly, and I, I thought it led to a pretty funny punchline. <laughs> also, just gonna throw this out here, but like people moan about how endlessly optimistic and like stupid Aster is, but everyone loves Goku. <laughs> what, but, yeah. but no, Maxi, that's, I've never that's, thought about this till now. And everyone loves Luffy. But but no, but no, guys, g- g- guys, we grew up on Goku, so he's good. <laughs> You see, see this, oh, cool. this is actually one of my huge problems with a lot of people um, that hate on Black Clover. 
because and people who are in the chat for weekly manga recap see me harping on this all the time and i apologize it's just a hot <laughs> spot for me that people will be like oh you know like i hate asta and i'm like that's fair because you know if you if you don't like black clover you don't if you don't like asta you know i'm sad but it's your opinion. You know, what, what am I going to do? Try to convince you you're wrong? No, it, whatever. But then they'll be like, I hate Asta because he's loud and he's brash and he's, you know, like, that never give up. It just drags on you. You know, it just really weighs the series down. I'm like, that, I don't agree, but that's fair. But then they'll be like, Luffy's the greatest and he's so dumb and he's so strong and he never gives up. And I'm like, no! No, he, he, you... I mean, there's one thing where you could be like, well, he's written better than Asta is, and, you know, that's all up to debate. But, like, people will pick on Black Clover for things that then they applaud in other series. Like, one of my favorite... Well, the Luffy example is comes up surprisingly frequently. They love Luffy, and they love that he he's dumb, and he just keeps fighting, and he never gives up, but they hate it when Asta does it. But the other one was, and this is very nitpicky, but there was a chapter of Black Clover uh, after the uh, the noble town, the castle town is invaded, and there's like the zombie guy, and then there's the witch that can like absorb people's life force to make herself young. There's that whole arc, but at the very end, there are like two pages of exposition, and all it is is like, after everything got cleaned up, the wizard king addressed the people of the town, blah, blah, blah. It's like two pages. It's really basic. And people are like, this is the laziest form of writing. Exposition is so lazy. And I was like, I, I mean, I'm not gonna argue because that's your opinion. But then a few chapters later, there was like an entire chapter of exposition in, in one piece. And they're like, this is the greatest. This is such a good way of getting a lot of information across. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm gonna throw my computer out the window. Yeah, that's, that's quite a double standard. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it was running at the same time, but I remember a, a while after the fact. I think it was when Hunter Hunter came back and it had the fight between oh, yeah. uh, Hisoka and the guy with the cross on his head. And that entire fight has endless bits of text explaining oh, yes. every little possibility. And it's like, <laughs> and they're praising it. I'm just like, but you've been moaning about this in the series that I like. What's happening? Yeah, yeah. It just. <laughs> I, I don't mind. Well, I do mind when people don't like the things I like, but you know, there's not much I can do, and I'm not gonna probably not gonna argue it but it's when people seemingly look for reasons to hate a series that's when it bothers me and like people were ready to hate black clover uh before it even came out because like yuki tabata had a pretty bad reputation with a lot of people online for hungry joker which was fine but it had an uncomfortable amount of things in common with d gray man and mm, mm, yeah that yeah, kind of made a lot of people sour towards the creator and, and and that's part of why they went into chapter one going oh it has to be a ripoff of naruto it has to be a ripoff of fairy tale has to be a ripoff of everything and it was like no not really you just people have expectations yeah and, and if you look i mean like i said earlier black clover is filled with tropes it is very trope heavy but every series is trope heavy and when people yeah. tell me one of the complaints I heard early on, there's always the, oh, he co copies One Piece and Naruto because he wants to be, you know, the best. But that's, that's a very common trope. And also, if, if you say that it copies Naruto because he wants to be the Wizard King, the Hokage, whatever, then you have to say that Naruto copies One Piece because it's the same sort of thing. You know, you want to be the best. But then One Piece copies a bajillion 
Shonen Jump series before because it's really common for somebody to want to be the best or the king or, the, you know, the top. And it's because yeah, people forget that One Piece does technically predate Naruto. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 you may as well accuse like all these series of wanting to rip off like uh, the the horse racing comic from the nineties, Midori no Makibo, because that was about a horse that wanted to be the best horse. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it doesn't work like that. I knew it. One Piece. Oh, I'm copying everything. And, and, you, and, you, and you might as well <laughs> accuse One Piece of copying Dragon Ball, because, you know, Oda's a big fan of Dragon Ball, and it shares some of the same tropes. And people people moaned about uh, Naruto when that first came out in Japan, because it was a little bit, mu- a bit much like Ninku, which was like the Wind Ninja comic thing. Oh, okay. And like, yeah, and to be fair, that didn't last very long, because people quickly realized it wasn't really like that at all, and it's just that uh, Kishimoto is a really big fan of Ninku. But like, there's always a chance to say that science rip off of something else. That's what you get when a magazine's forty nine years old. It, exactly. Like like some of the ones I've heard is it rips off Bleach because there are swords. I feel like that's a fair criticism. Roni Kenshin because there were swords in Roni Kenshin. Yeah, specifically because Asta has a really big sword. Oh, well, I mean, then it's a rip off of, of like, then Bleach ripped off Berserk because yeah, Berserk exactly. has a really big sword. And then you know, like oh, and then um, it also ripped off uh, Fairy Tale because there's magic and Kunjiki no Gash Bell because they're a grimoire, and that's one that people stayed on for a long time because magical books. Not that magical books have been a thing for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's one of these things like you you can easily find comparisons in previous works, and I'm not saying that Tabata Sensei didn't go like, "Hey, this is a cool idea. Maybe I'll use it in my own thing." You know, because who knows? Yeah, but I I every, think one, everything's a remix of something that came before. Yeah, I think one thing people don't realize is that like everything has a lineage of influences like it's impossible to not be influenced by something that's in pop culture and that you've been a fan of and that shape your storytelling style and like what you're interested in writing about like clearly yuki tabata was a fan of naruto growing up so obviously he would be influenced by naruto and that would show in his work but that doesn't mean he's ripping off naruto and that doesn't mean like the way he's using the tropes is like exact one-to-one and that's a bad thing and the same can be said of kishimoto and you know and oda and you know their respect and influenced by toriyama like they have some clear influences from the what they grew up with and that shows in their series but like they make it their own and that's the same thing with tabata and like you can make the similarities but after a while it's just surface level and you just gotta understand that there's always this lineage of influences in pop culture and media and that's just something that's always going to continue yeah it 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 makes me feel like a very stuck-up manga fan. <laughs> but but when I see people like, oh, this is just like, you know, such and such a series, I like, you know, push up my imaginary glasses and go, oh, I see you've only been reading Jump for X number of years, if that's the only comparison you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that I don't do that a lot as well. But, like, the, the further back I've gone with, like, trying to find old series and stuff, like, 
the the more I've just turned into an insufferable asshole to anyone who tries, uh, <laughs> only looks so far back. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. We can be assholes together. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so I I think while we're still talking about Asta's character, um, I think just just one more thing I want to talk about from the beginning that I think um, I sort of found interesting is that um, is that Black Clover kind of shares one or two similarities with something like My Hero Academia as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In where um, Asta is clearly a character in a world full of people with powers, and he doesn't have powers himself, same as Midoriya from My Hero Academia. He, you know, he doesn't have an ability in a world full of people with abilities and are able to become superheroes. And, uh, and both the main characters get the crap beaten out of them. Yes. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to have their entire bodies broken in massive ways. <laughs> So, so how how do, how do you guys feel about I, I guess that aspect and how it's executed in Black Clover? Because I I feel like I may not be alone when I say that I feel like um, I guess that kind of storytelling in My Hero Academia was done a little more thoughtfully. Whereas I felt, whereas personally, I feel like Asta just kind of and like you know this is how I first felt, and the more I read and the more we find out about like the I guess the more it's hinted at about like like what Asta's grimoire is and where it possibly may have came from. And cause I think we find that out literally at the end of, uh, at the, uh, at the force witch arc. arc. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're getting more details about that kind of thing. So this might not be super relevant, but like at first I, I just kind of felt like, Oh, Asta just kind of gains his powers and he just knows how to use them for the rest of the series. That's cool. Well, to be fair, his power is that he hits things. <laughs> yeah, his his yeah his power is that he can ca- just kind of cancel other powers, which you know, I feel like that is kind of an interesting power. Like you just have the power to cancel other people's magic. I feel like that could be kind of interesting, but I also feel like I feel like with My Hero Academia, there's a bit more of a journey there where like you know Midoriya, yeah, sure he gains a power, but he still has to learn how to use it, and he still has to. He still has to learn to have his body like get used to using his power, otherwise it'll break. So I, I, I kind of want to know what you guys think about that kind of thing. I admit a concern that I've always had with the series and that I still think that Tabata hasn't quite figured out is the fact that, yeah, Asta doesn't have magical power, so that in one way puts him at a disadvantage. But at the same time, the his anti-magic swords are like so strong and they can like automatically cancel out other magic that there's always this power imbalance there's always this danger of making Asta too overpowered Yeah. now he's managed to create situations where the opponent is so strong enough that it's still a struggle for Asta to win but at the same time when a solution to a problem is that oh Asta has this anti-magic swords that will nullify this magic and that will solve the problem there is always that concerned that the anti-magic power is a little too convenient and is a little bit too useful in too many situations that it kind of robs some tension out of a lot of fights and a lot of circumstances. Well, I, I think regarding uh, Hiroaka, Deku is, well, he's a much smarter character, but he, he's really <laughs> introspective. So he cares about this improvement like he's not just improving his powers he's improving as a person and like what it means to have these powers whereas also is just like 
swing my sword, you know? And yeah, we really haven't seen much improvement with Austin. And I think that is kind of a detriment to the series. Like, it, it's not like a, a deal breaker or anything, but I, I do wish there was a little bit more about him, like, learning to use his swords. Yeah, because especially during especially during the uh, the dungeon arc, um, when he gains that other sword, mm. at that at that point, I was just kind of like, oh, like is this just gonna be a thing? He's just, he's just gonna keep getting different swords. I guess that's convenient. <laughs> <laughs> that second sword's weird though, because like he doesn't actually use its ability very often. Mm-hmm. Like to to channel off a of people's magic. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like he doesn't quite know how to use it. And th- that's that's one thing. Like, uh, I do think that the anti magic is really overpower powered. Um, I think it's 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 a little sad that the solution to a lot of the problems seems throw Asta at it. It'll fix it. <laughs> um, yeah. That said, I I. I He's basically just swinging around a couple hunks of, you know, iron right now. Like, he he doesn't... He's not a good swordsman or anything. So, like, I, I, I'm actually hoping in the future that we see him maybe train with Kyoto or with Yami, who use swords. Yeah. Um, so he can actually learn a little bit more about how, how to use his swords. I don't want to say properly, but perhaps more elegantly. Yeah, instead of just swinging them around and, like, trying to bash things like trying his, yeah his power is really yeah just bashing things he's very strong he's very you know physically powerful and he's got two hunks of metal you know uh that can cancel out magic hmm. and, and i mean like I, I think a lot of the the good battles have been you know the, the overpowered ones where you know the solution isn't just him coming up and, and just I'm going to be here by myself hitting this person. And now that I've cut them or stopped their magic or something, you know, that's the end of the battle. Like <laughs> this, this is turning into just me complaining about other people, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, what, one comment I see a lot is I don't like Austin because he's always winning. He wins too much when he's in a battle. They, he will win. And <laughs> he does. He does that's... win. But I mean, he he's he's the good guy. I mean, that's kind of like saying, like, let's go back to Luffy. Like, well, I don't want Luffy to, you know, win. Well, Luffy's probably gonna win, guys. Th- that said, Asta almost never wins by himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very very infrequent that he's he wins a one on one battle. Like, there's uh, in the Water Temple, he defeats one of the priests. But like, everybody defeats a priest on their own, pretty much. You know, they're not that strong. But all the big battles, it's him pretty much being used as a tool by the other members. Yeah, see, that's some, that's something I really appreciated about the um, the underwater temple arc, is that even when he's fighting, um, I believe his name is Veto or something. Yeah. Uh, even when he's fighting Veto, uh, that, like, I, I appreciate that he that he ends up working together with his other um, fellow mages in, in the Black Bulls. Because, um, I mean... When you really break it down, I feel like a lot of the combat isn't like, you know, like I I like I like watching it because like I I will I also do want to say that I think Tabata's art is very good and I do enjoy looking at it very much. I enjoy his style, um, but I feel like in terms of the combat, uh, that's something I feel like has I feel like the combat for me sort of leaves something to be desired because most of the time it is pretty simple. 
Um, but I, I do enjoy the fact that, uh, that at one point he does introduce, <clears throat> I guess, the idea of him, of Asta working with his other mages, you know, with, uh, with Finral using his spatial magic and then Vanessa using her thread magic, um, I thought led to some pretty cool attacks. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in terms of its overall combat, um, I feel like stuff like uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure uh, is always going to have it beat in terms of uh, in terms <laughs> well, of how let's interesting. Well, be fair, Colton. <laughs> Nothing beats JoJo's when it comes to no, interesting know, and but, unique. Yeah, I know that's. I, I know. I, I know that's a pretty unfair <laughs> comparison. I'm just saying that I feel like I still feel like the combat is simple, but I do I do appreciate that Tabata kind of plays with it a little bit in the future. Yeah, I I do think about. With the combat, uh, the the way it works in the chapters is it is a lot like uh, Toshiaki Iroshiro's work on Siren in a way. Like, not that that feels like a, a really weird way of saying it because they're very different series. But you can see that he has gotten a lot of influence on how to structure a fight and lay it out on the page and handle collateral damage and working together and getting the heck beaten out of you in in a very similar way to his uh, former employer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can definitely see that that influence because, yeah, if if you didn't know, he was uh, uh, an assistant, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So you you could definitely see that that influence, and that's that's cool. But I see. I I really like the the fights because it does boil down to a well. How will the other members use Asta? Yeah. <laughs> but. It all, it's always kind of interesting to me, like, how he's used, you know, like, and it seems more and more he is a tool for the others. I mean, the last big battles have really been, you know, with Finral and with Vanessa, so they've got a good thing working out. But, uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I like to see how, how they work together because nobody is strong enough to take on these enemies by themselves, which is, is interesting to me because that means that there's a lot of growth. Cause, I mean, I think that's, I just, the Black Clover volume I was just working on last week is pretty much the entire volume is the Veto fight. And it's not even done. And he's gone through one, two, three, four, seven. He's already defeated seven people that have fought him. And then there will be Vanessa Finral and Ostar fighting him right now. So what that's. So I think 11 people are involved in this fight. So <clears throat> so back to what I was complaining about earlier when people say like, oh, Austin's going to win, of course. Like, well, yeah, they, they, the Black Bulls won with 11 people against one. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciate about uh, especially recent Black Clover fights is that it does involve like a huge group of the characters working together to beat down a huge foe. And it's not always just Asta alone. If it was just asked alone, he he couldn't do the job. But it's because he's working together with all his companions that's what allows him, you know, to maybe finish strike the finishing blow. But you know, it, he couldn't have done it if it wasn't everyone else giving him support and doing their part too. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like that a lot. I guess uh, just something I want to move on to real quick. Um, but I I do want to get put it out there that I. I personally thought the first 10 chapters or so, like basically all the introductory stuff, I did not enjoy reading. I that was a bit of a slog for me to get through honestly. Even if it was 10 chapters, I it was it was really hard for me to read and I gave it so much shit on Twitter. And this is why you should follow me on Twitter. <laughs> at @sniperking323. Um but um so 
you know, we, we, we get to the dungeon arc and I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to go on too much about each arc, but I, I, so I guess I'll just go on with like what I took out of each arc, but I think Colton, just, just be honest <laughs> at this point. You really just want to talk about how you started liking the series when luck came into it, right? Uh, well, well, here, here's the thing. So we get to the dungeon arc, and overall, I thought the dungeon arc had had some potential. I thought, oh, hey, uh, you know, a bunch of batch of a bunch of magical wizards uh, visiting a, an ancient dungeon. This could be cool, you know. Um, you know, overall, I thought it was just like two percent better than the first arc. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's an improvement yes it, so is an improvement. it was a bit of an improvement but it still felt like there was something lacking and i think one of the biggest reasons and this is this is where i realized what my biggest problem with black clover is and i just want to take you guys through it real quick so we are introduced to luck as maxi mentioned who is essentially kind of of that archetype that just wants to fight really strong guys and is just very passionate about battle and always just wants to fight 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 to the point where he's very just weirdly obsessed with it. And that's like, all that's what he's all about. But, you know, we, we eventually get like this little taste of his, uh, a taste of kind of his backstory, which I thought was some, which at, at the time I thought was the first, like interesting characterization shown in black Clover thus far. Then, you know, we're introduced to, you know, his story about how, when he was a kid, you know, his mother basically shunned him and, thought, you know, he was weird for smiling all the time and basically didn't really think anything of her child. Uh, that That is until, you know, Luck defeated a noble mage or whatnot and people started talking about him because, you know, oh, he, he's a peasant and he took down a noble. So that's a that's a big thing because classism is a huge, I guess, theme of Black Clover. And, uh, you know, that's when Luck's mother starts to finally, you know, uh, show some... Uh, essentially that's that's when luck actually means something to his mom and starts like encouraging him to fight more and how he has to constantly win and that clearly that clearly has some like traumatic effect on on him and his personality which i thought was an interesting uh which i thought it was an interesting bit of uh character stuff like okay like uh this this could lead to something interesting i want to know more about this when Literally, the next chapter afterwards, it's just kind of all fixed because Luck remembers, oh, wait, I have friends. I feel better now. <laughs> and I, that's that is honestly my biggest complaint about Black Clover is that I feel like Tabata presents an idea and then he pre he presents a solution. There's no in between. There's no like he presents an idea, but he doesn't really like he doesn't really take the time to explore it. I just feel like that's kind of my biggest problem with the series is that I wish there was more of a journey, if that makes any sense to you guys. Well, I mean, you kind of got that recently when this whole arc dedicated to like working through Vanessa's backstory and her setting and stuff. And it actually gave proper time and build up to what the deal was with her. And, that's true. Uh, yeah. the, the queen of the witches and, you know, and Yami's role in, in everything. And that was real good that and, real and that's good. true i do so like it's it's getting there. i do want to point out that like yeah with with the witch forest arc that's not entirely true what with you know because in that arc you kind of sort of have the resolution of um, noelle's character who's constantly dealing with the fact that her, again her family doesn't think anything of her because she can't control her magic and you know, at first, like, when she's introduced, it was kind of weird to me how, like, both her and Asta meet each other. And Noel obviously thinks nothing of Asta because he's a peasant. 
Um, that that sort of happens a lot in Black Clover. Um, you know, oh, I don't think anything of you because you're not of nobility. That that kind of seems to happen with half of the characters, at least. Um, but then, oh, uh, you know, we, we go like basically, actually, I think the chapter where Noelle is introduced and, you know, she kind of quickly comes around to Asta, I feel like is kind of where I started to notice that kind of thing. Like, oh, she really came around to him like really quickly, like within the same chapter that felt a little easy, but okay, I'll, I'll go with it. And then I think I really, I think the dungeon arc is where I really started to take notice of that kind of thing. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I've got to, I've got to throw this at you though, Colton, okay. right? Have you ever tried to hate someone who's really friendly? It's hard. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's fair, yeah. I mean, what usually happens is that Asta manages to impress them or show them, you know, what he's capable of, and that, you know, changes their opinion of him. Well, like, he shows off his incredibly gross buff body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is he, like, 15? Yeah, he shouldn't be that buff. But I do agree with you that a problem I do have with the series is that sometimes it does, like, introduce this idea, but then immediately resolve it. Like, I remember back when I used to do weekly Shonen Jump reviews, uh, like, I was really into the chapter where Luck's backstory was introduced, and, like, I wrote a very glowing praise, and, like, I was really interested in seeing, like, where, like, Luck's, like, character arc would go, and then in the next chapter is immediately resolved, and I was like, oh... Well, I guess that's over. That's kind of disappointing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think with luck, it was it was solved too quickly. Yeah, I think yeah. it was definitely rushed. With Noelle, I I didn't mind it so much because she's such a tsundere, like, yeah. and she's treated so poorly. You know, like when he's like, "Oh man, you're so strong. This is really awesome." She's like, "What? Okay, well maybe he's not so bad because." She's tsundere. She she wants that praise. Like she she lives on praise that other people give her. So I didn't mind that too much. But luck, I definitely thought it was way too. Oh man, I got this tragic backstory, but now everything's great. And so I so I do want to ask because um, um, you know you guys over at Shon at the uh, at Shonen Jump. I don't know if you were a part of it in particular, Annalisa. I'm. If you just could correct me, uh, but some of you went out, actually went out to Jump Festa, you know, last year, and uh, you usually uh, like to sit down and talk with other uh, mangaka and uh, like to, you know, kind of interview them for the magazine, which uh, I appreciate. Those are always really interesting. Um, I, I forget, you, you've met Tabata, right? Yes, yes, I met him at, at Jump Festa this year, or last year now, I guess. So, so were you the one that conducted that interview for that one issue of Jump then? No, no. So, so I I went to Jump Festa after after begging the editor in chief to to allow me to sit in on interviews and stuff because I was going to be there already. Okay. Um. So I I was like, please, please. I know. Like technically, I'm not a Viz employee. I'm just a freelancer. Please, Andy. Please. And he's just like, <laughs> and if you if you've heard the podcast, he does this thing where he's like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> and he's just, yeah. just like, thinking about it. I'm like, oh no, he's gonna say no. He's like, oh yeah, I think that's okay. I was just like, bless you, Andy. But uh, but so I went with the Black Clover editor, Lexi. Okay. And I don't speak Japanese very well. Uh, I don't read Japanese very well. I'm probably at a, like a kindergartner level, maybe. <laughs> uh, so really, I just I just sat 
on the sidelines and tried to absorb as much as I could. But but we did, among the people we interviewed was Tabata Sensei and his editor, Katayama-san. Okay. So, because I was curious, because um, while I was reading Black Clover, I, you know, me still reading Jump every week, thought, well, you know, while I'm reading Black Clover, I might as well read Tabata's interview. And it's, I feel like this is something that even Tabata sort of admitted that, you know, you know, that he wants to go at a slower pace with his story, but, like, it just so happens that, like, you know, his story just always goes at this really fast pace. Yeah, yeah. So so I feel like in that way, even he sort of is sort of aware that maybe he has this thing in his story where, yeah, he presents this idea and sort of maybe resolves it a little too quickly. Yeah, I mean, he's still pretty young as as an author and an artist. Oh, of this course, a- of course. This is only his second series, and and though it's been going on for, I think we're in the eleventh volume right now. You know, like he he still is is growing, but yeah, I, I think he does realize that that's something that he would like to work on, and I think we'd all appreciate if he slowed down parts. Yeah, and and I don't want to, I don't, yeah, keeping that in mind, I don't want to make it seem like I'm 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 shitting on a young artist because obviously, you know, like you said, he he's only ever had like one other series other than Black Clover, so. I don't want to give him too much shit for that, but I do just, I did just want to point out that I appreciate that even he is sort of aware of that. It, it, it makes me feel better that he wants to improve uh, upon that. I do want to say this about uh, Tabata Sensei. After meeting him, he's very much the type of person that, like, if anybody talks bad about him, oh no, oh no, I will be all over you. <laughs> like, he's such a pure person. He's. In one of the bonus materials in maybe volume one or volume two in the graphic novel. Volume two, I think I think I know the one you're talking about. And they're like, oh yeah, he's just like Asta. And I was like, whatever, you know, like, I think a lot of mangaka have, have a reputation for being kind of introverted and, you know, like quiet and stuff. Oh, he's just like Asta. Mm, he's, wow. He's like a living embodiment of Asta. He's just very energetic and he has all these ideas and he's very excited and he just wants to go, go, go. And he's amazing. He's so sweet. This is uh, Tamara's uh, bonus page that he did, because they both worked underneath uh, Iwashiro on Siren, uh, where it's literally just him like venting how annoyed he is that uh, that found success with Hungry Joker and then, uh, with Black Clover even, and just being like, oh no, he's exactly like Astra. It's, it's, oh, guys, if you've not picked up the volumes, like these extra pages are the best. They're, they're so good. But yeah, he's... Very energetic, very open. Um, when we did the interview, we had a number of questions, you know, to, to ask him. But it turned into kind of a roundtable discussion. Oh, wow. <laughs> where it, it got to the point, like, I, and like I said, I, I don't speak Japanese very well. I, I don't understand a whole lot. But it got to a point where, like, he was talking, and I, I think this was in... So some of the things we talked about were cut out of the uh, the printed interview, just, just for length. Mm. But I, th- I think this one stayed in where we were talking about Finral, and I was like, oh, yeah, I love Finral so much. And, like, Tabata's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of cutting his hair. And I was like, you can't cut his hair. His hair is really cute. And he's like, really? But what if he cut his hair and got a girlfriend? I was like, okay, you can cut his hair, but only if he gets a girlfriend. He's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't give him a girlfriend. <laughs> and it's just one of these things, like, conversations with, like, you know, like, important people like this. Like, you don't expect them to be like, what's your opinion on this? Okay. Hmm, I'll take that into consideration. Like he said something else that I, I don't, I know this part wasn't printed, but I said something about a character and he's like, I'm thinking of doing this to a character. I was like, don't you dare. 
don't you dare and then later we left and I was like oh no actually that'd be really good for that character but I had no way of like contacting him and being like no no Tom just said that's a good idea you should do that yeah and then later Alexi was like criticizing you for like don't influence the mangaka too much <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah oh I felt really bad I I was a uh, a great embarrassment to Alexi on that trip I think like we uh <laughs> I, after that interview, I was so excited. I was so excited. Like I, I gave, I gave Tabata a little uh, in the in the Witch's Forest arc. They have the little golems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that only show up like twice. But uh, I made a little plush golem to give Tabata Sensei, and he held it on his lap like the entire time we were interviewing him, <laughs> and it was the cutest thing. And I wanted to take a picture, but I, I didn't, you know, want to overstep my bounds. And then his his wife comes in, and uh, I think it's maybe in one of the books, but Charmy is based on his wife. Oh my god! And you can see it. His wife looks. His, I mean, she she's not super short, and she's not like you know chibi version of a human or anything, but she looks just like Charmy, or, or Charmy looks just like her. It's kind of surreal. Oh wow! But what's but, he trying to say about his wife's appetite? <laughs> about that but that's probably not appropriate but but yeah like oh, after after all this stuff we we leave this interview room and we go into this hallway with a bunch of chairs and i just kind of fall to the ground cover my face and start screaming like silently <laughs> because i was so excited oh about God. this and like he's like i think you should get up oh you should get up and people are walking by and have to like walk around me and they're looking at me all weird he's like please get up <laughs> and our business contact sekia oh, is like is she okay is she sick and he's like no she's fine she's fine he's like please get up people think i dumped you or something <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i feel pretty bad but it was it was amazing and, and the interview with uh come to sensei's uh, editor Katayama-san was really fun too, and that's in um, Monday's Jump issue. So the the March twentieth issue has that interview. Mine's just lit up. <laughs> I was like, yes, oh, that's coming up, huh? That's that's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess just to move through this a little quicker, um, you know, Dungeon Arc I thought was a little better. The arc where like the capital is like invaded by. Uh, uh, by uh, um, I forget. Yeah, Midnight Sun. Yeah, I of the Midnight Sun. Uh, I I remember reading that and thinking, wow, I have like nothing to say about this other than some of the action's kind of cool, I guess. Um, I remember just kind of, I remember really blazing through that just because, like, because you know, I I live tweeted about a lot of my uh reading Black Clover, but I had like I didn't really tweet that much. I remember that night because I was just kind of reading through it. And I'm like, I don't really have anything to say. It's just. Not much is happening besides just a lot of action. I think the one thing that really I really liked about that arc was the character um, uh, Fagolian. Oh man, I was hoping you'd yeah. say him because he he is he is such an awesome character, and it's a shame that he hasn't come back yet. I, I hope he comes back soon because I I really liked his role as sort of a mentor to everybody else during that fight, um, and, yeah. and and even and even how it sort of influences uh, Noel, how it like how you know uh, they kind of called back to that line that uh that he gave her uh in the uh in the underwater temple arc yeah yeah and i thought that was a pretty good one um and then i guess um so so the black clover wiki has this listed as the blind date arc which 
It's just one chapter, <laughs> but it may very well be the best chapter in Black Clover. It's so good. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that chapter, I remember thinking, reading that chapter, and I started laughing. I'm like, wait, I'm laughing at Black Clover? What is this? <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I love that chapter. Because, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so sorry. I, I was just going to say, like, I was so surprised because about that time is when I got really hypersensitive about Black Clover because so many people were hating on it. So I could like read a chapter and be like, people are going to hate on this, this, this. <laughs> Go. And then this chapter comes out and I'm like, people are going to hate it because it's so different and like, oh, you know, turning gears so fast and like, oh, of course, Black Clover, you suck. You know, and like, I had all this reasoning why people would hate it and everybody loved it and I was so blown away. Like, yeah, oh, I think that chapter okay. was a huge turning point in, you know, Black Clover discourse because I had some friends who were not like into Black Clover before that point. But like after that chapter and where the story went after that chapter, you know, they started to warm up with it and they like it now. So I think that chapter did a long way into like acclimating people to Black Clover and making them like really enjoy it just because it was so humorous and so fun. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely around the point where I kind of started to warm up to it, like, bit by bit, arc by arc, because the Blind Date chapter was really funny. Because, like, <laughs> you know, I, I still think the characters are, are pretty simple. Not, not, that I, not that I'm saying that's a bad thing, but, you know, I think, you know, while most of the characters are kind of simple, there's enough to them to where, like, they can all work off of each other well enough. Like, I feel like some good comedy can still come out of them. Um, so a lot of the comedy in that I think really worked. And then really the arc following that I thought was really great, actually. Um, and I think that arc also cemented that Yami's pretty much my favorite character, so. <laughs> so cool. Well, I was gonna ask who everyone's favorite character is. It's like, I, I feel like everyone has a different answer. Yeah, so like I said, Yami's definitely my favorite. Prove me wrong, naturally, but but uh, yeah, actually, yeah. What 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 are who are your all your favorite characters? I'm actually kind of interested now too. Well, it's interesting because if you remember last year, I kept track of my MVPs in each issue of Shonen Jump, and so there were three characters from Black Clover that I had MVP twice, and those were. Yami, Gosh, and Noel. And I, of the three, I have to say that I do think it, it's between Yami and Noel as my as my favorite characters because Yami I really love because he's just so cool and he's like has a refreshing personality within the Black Clover cast and that he's very like aloof but he's also super straightforward and and really chill but like he also has this no-nonsense personality as well so like he's just a really cool character that I always enjoy seeing and Noelle I, I really like her character arc and like how she's grown through the story and so I'm, I'm pretty invested in her, like, character arc. So it's between those two characters. But I always enjoy it when Yami shows up because he's always, he's always pretty interesting or just funny or just brings a lot of personality to whatever scene he's in. Mm-hmm. At the very least, he is very daddy, and that's always yeah. good. <laughs> he is basically a, a dad for everyone else in the Black Bulls, which is, I think, another part of what makes him so charming. I mean, hey, the rest of the Black Bulls love him, so I can't see anybody, like, not liking him. Yeah. yeah. We actually have a Q&A question about Yami later, and, like, about, uh, you know, we might as well answer it now, that my friend Sparky Spirit asked, is Tabata aware of how well-liked Yami is? Because 
it seems like everyone likes Yami, including non-fans. So interesting. Is what do you think it is about Yami that makes him so appealing, even to people who aren't into Black Clover as a whole so much? I think his character design, I think, uh, definitely contributes to that because I think he just he just looks cool, which I think is yeah. a, is a big factor in the fact that. I think, like, something that I found interesting about Black Clover's world is that, like, Yami seems to be of of Asian descent, but they don't really, like, come, they're not really, like, super explicit about that. Because when they talk about Yami and where he comes from, they're just like, oh, he's just, he's a, he's a guy from the East. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's just mm-hmm. kind of interesting how vague they are about that. Well, yeah. at the very least, it's a place that's equivalent to a place like Japan. Yeah. But I don't, Japan itself might not exist in the Black Clover universe. It's kind of like in Hunter Hunter, uh, where recently, you know, they've been doing the York New Arc on Tanami. So I, this came fresh in mind recently. But the character Basho, you know, he fights using haikus and says that's a signature form of language arts of his home country. And Japan doesn't exist in the Hunter Hunter universe. But, you know, that's just re- that but like a place like that exists where, you know, haikus and a, play- a character like Basho comes from. So I think it's like similar with Yami in that regard. So so do you think maybe it's because Yami compared to the rest of the cast of Black Clover just has a more Eastern flavor to him? Whereas you, I think it's pretty obvious that Black Clover is very much inspired by Western fantasy. I don't think that's why people like him, but I think that does make him stand out in an interesting way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that's what I I think that's what makes him stand out above the rest of the cast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's a combination of his character design, which is really great, and his personality, which is you know kind of Spike Spiegelish. You know, it's just a chill. He's chill, but he's badass and he's smart and serious when the chips are down. Yeah. What I like about Yami is, uh, like, I, I like a lot of characters in the series, of course, but with Yami, he's the type of character that, like, I kind of want to be, mm. whereas I don't really so much want to be any of the other characters. Like, like my favorite's Finral. I would never want to be Finral. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to cry blood. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Yami, he, he's, he looks cool. He has a cool personality. He's very strong, and he, he's he's kind of established himself as these things, so he doesn't have to, like, prove himself. You know he's proven. You know that he's, you know, this badass that, you know, people look up to. And, every, and again, like, like was mentioned earlier, like, everybody loves him. Everybody, like, fans love him, non-fans love him. The Black Bulls all love him. He's kind of that, you know, weird father figure. He's, he's got everything going for him, really. He's a hard character to hate. I don't, I don't, know, I don't, know, what, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I do really like uh a lot of the characters in general. I think that the cast has grown pretty strong in terms of the characterization and their dynamics with each other. And I especially like the kind of pseudo gang of four that's kind of been established in the last two arcs with Asta, Noel, Vanessa, and Finro. And I'd yeah. like to see that dynamic keep going forward. Yeah, I, I, I like I like that dynamic. I I like how they fight together a lot, and I like how Vanessa and Finn are kind of like like the big siblings. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. So so they look out for the others in in Japanese. I, I don't know what Asta calls Finnerl, but he calls Vanessa Vanessa Nason, which is like big sister Vanessa, and we translate it 
to Ms. Vanessa, which which works because it's you know it's a hard thing to translate. Yeah, but, I, I noticed but that. But so he kind of sees her as like a big sister, it seems. So I, yeah. I really, I really uh, t- to answer that that question, if uh, what was it, if if uh, Tabata is aware how well liked Yami is, uh, yeah, it's actually brought up in the Katayama interview that uh, I, I think he says something like, yeah, once Yami was introduced, like people started really like paying attention to him because <laughs> everybody loves Yami. <laughs> so I, I think it's I think it's a, a known fact that he's he's very popular. I, I don't think there's been a character poll. There hasn't. So yet. I'm going to be very interested in oh, seeing how high Yami ranks when they I, finally do one. I would be one. really surprised if he wasn't in the top, you know, three. This is, yeah. this is totally going to be like Ice Shield 21 where like the main character probably may not likely like place number one and there's just going to be another character that everybody possibly likes more that's going to place number yeah. one i could totally i could totally see that being the way things go yeah that was i not can't imagine yami not coming in first like, I'm, I'm genuinely racking my brain about it and it's like as far as i can imagine it would be like yami then like maybe finral and asta fight it out for second place like <sighs> god who would who would you even pick? Yeah, really. Who else? I mean, you know who I'd, I'd love to get really high, but he won't because he, like discussed before, hasn't been in forever. Would be a Fuego Leon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Well, that'd make him come back, though, wouldn't it? Because he's he he's another he he's very yummy ish to me. Like, oh, I want to be him. Because look at this. He he's like such a good like protector and a mentor and all. But you know he's off camera <laughs> so. yeah well maybe he left a strong enough impression that he could i mean in the first like one piece character popularity polls like shanks ranked really high but you know he's only in, like the first chapter of the series for like a long time that's true you know? oh shanks is the best though yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's something about those character types isn't there just like the, the the more mature male characters who just inspire everyone else like it doesn't matter how often they appear they just stick with you yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that you know have like this entire like history uh, to back them up that like you get like little bits and pieces of every once in a while and you think, "Man, I'd really love to see a prequel series with this guy." That would be awesome. Like kind of a uh, kind of something similar to Adventure of Sinbad, the spin-off of Magi, just a series focusing on teenage Yami and his exploits before becoming like a commander in the Black Bulls would be really cool. That would be so cool. I would read that, honestly. Um, you know, it's funny, Sid, I think you just mentioned that um, uh, Gouch was your uh, was another MVP for you. Uh, mm-hmm. It's funny, because I, I still don't like that character. He's kind of creepy, but I, I like him despite that. He's creepy, but he had a cool character arc in his like introduction arc, and where he was like, he, where he kind of learned to start fighting for people other than himself and he got his magic got stronger because he was fighting for someone other than himself so i really like that evolution of his character and i do kind of just like his personality even if his sister complex is a little creepy just a little bit i actually do i do like that moment from that arc where like because i i talked about a little bit of this on twitter where like you know in in so many shonen jump series we see you know like Shonen Jump's entire motto is friendship, effort, victory. Um, and, you know, like, it, it just feels like in, in a lot of Shonen manga, um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of our main characters win because friendship. At, at the end of the day, I feel like, like, you know, I feel like sh- most Shonen Jump series kind of, you know, they, 
they're all about this motto, but I feel like Black Clover is interesting in the sense of, like, Gouch learns a new spell because he finally, like, starts to realize that, you know, maybe he should... Maybe he should open up to other people and start working together with them. And he actually he actually becomes stronger because of it. So I like I kind of like Black Clover in that sense where it's like, you know, he actually learns something practical and is able to do something practical because he starts to learn to open up to other people. And I, I find that really interesting because I because I feel like I'm having trouble trying to think of another shonen manga that's executed that motto in that way. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really like like Gauche. Uh, I like that he he does open up and he gets that new spell, but it's not like he and Austin are buddy buddy or anything. Oh no! Yeah, like, you you can see they they care about each other. But one of my favorite parts in uh, in Gauche's arc with the um, with the snow guy and the mud guy, uh, I don't know if it has a proper name for it. Uh, for for the arc, I mean, but uh, is when Gash is running away with his with his sister, and his sister punches him in the face, like, "No, you get back there, you're yeah. an idiot." And he's like, "Okay, well, I'll go back." It's not like Asta's going to be doing anything because only an idiot would, you know, still be fighting against these odds. And he comes in, and of course, Asta's still fighting, and it's the end of a chapter, and he says something like, "Man, this guy's such an idiot." I really appreciated that not everybody, you know, just instantly falls in love with Austin, even though he's like, yeah, I'll fight with you. Man, you're Mm -hmm. so dumb. You're so dumb. (laughs) And and just to piggyback off of that, like, I felt like that was that was something that I sort of like rolled my eyes at at the end of the dungeon arc where, like, you know, everybody's uh, frantically trying to get out of the dungeon before it collapses. And, you know, during that arc, it just kind of felt like everybody was you know, praising Asta and protecting him because, oh, he's the main character. Like, that's what it felt like to me. But at this point, I feel like, you know, like during the underwater temple arc, you know, people realizing, like, you know, how Asta has, like, uh, sort of influenced them and, you know, how they they kind of, like, go about uh, their life and whatnot – and how his uh his unabashed like personality and his way of like just charging into things and not giving up has really influenced the rest of the black bulls i felt like i felt like was actually somewhat genuine com- mm, co- com- mm. compared to early on so i i did appreciate that yeah it feels really shallow now for me to go and say that my favorite character is gray because like all, like all the cats mentioned have like massive depth, and I'm just like I liked one who looks like an art mistake. <laughs> the amount of people who don't read the series who like put up a panel and be like, "Oh, Tabat has drawn the same character twice." And I'm like, no, it's it's great. It's the most wonderful, cute character who just always looks like other characters instead. Gray is so great. I I love. Uh, I think it's the beach chapter yeah. where she's like oh man i never noticed it until i transformed into you but your muscles are super creepy asta <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that that is the moment i decided that gray was my favorite it was just like she she just understands that and like finally being revealed as like this strange garlic headed shy girl as well was like such a perfect comedic beat oh she's like, it's just i i love the 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 juxtaposition i guess between when she's herself and she's just super shy and like can't deal with people, and when she's other people, she's just so them, but with like a, a weird sense of humor. You know that, but like 
always really like quite insulting and that like she'd be saying something nice but in a horrible way yeah <laughs> and then it's then it's just straight down to like covering her face and yelling don't look at me for like <laughs> a few weeks which is great i mean if it makes yeah. you, if it makes you feel any better maxi if it weren't for yami i think le- legitimately my favorite character would be sally from uh <laughs> From, oh, from the Sally. Eye of the Midnight Sun, for for very <laughs> superficial reasons that I'd rather not get into. You can follow me on Twitter for uh-huh. that. <laughs> That's really sweet, Colton. You disgusting pervert. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. She does she, have a really good character design. She's my type. I can't help it. Like, yeah, you're really into the crazy yandere girls. Huh? I guess so. Apparently, I am. I I'm I'm learning all sorts of new things while reading Black Clover. <laughs> You're discovering yourself. Yes. <laughs> God, she's cute. Okay, so um, I want to get off of that. Uh, so I guess... Um, mm, phrasing, Colton, please. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. no. Okay, no. well, before I make things worse. So I guess really, like, uh, like as, as I'm kind of getting to the end of my notes here, I guess what I'm basically trying to get to is that, yeah, ar- around, I guess, uh, for lack of a better... A title, yeah, the blind date arc, whatever. Thanks, Black Clover Wiki. Um, you know that was around the point I think where I started to, st- I I sort of started coming around to Black Clover, and I think with just each arc, you know, I think really like I don't know if I'm ready to say I love Black Clover, but I think I am willing to admit that it's, and I, I don't want to say this because I don't want to come off condescending, but I know it's going to come off condescending, so I'm just going to say it. But I feel like. I feel like if I were 10 years younger, like if I were back in high school and I read this and I and I wasn't, you know, somewhat jaded in my manga reading and I didn't have expectations for things, I think I would love this so much more. Whereas now I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm coming around to it and I and I see the appeal and I think I understand a little better why people like it and I totally respect and understand why people do. Um Though, with that being said, I am kind of leaning towards reading this weekly now. So, there you go, guys. You won, all right? I guess yes, it's... Yes, I'm so happy! The Stockholm set-in! <laughs> fine, fine, I admit it. Black Clover is not all that bad. It's totally but I to- but I to- But I still say I totally understand why people wouldn't want to give it a chance. Because I feel like... You know, I still feel like it is it is sort of simple in how it approaches things, I guess, within just shonen manga in general. But, you know, like like Annalise was saying earlier, I I think it is sort of refreshing to to just have something in the magazine that is just total shonen and not much else outside of that. Um, You know, for some people, I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, in this in this world of uh, snarky dialogue and subversions within genres, I think. You know, this isn't a bad thing to have in Shonen Jump. See, see, w- with it in Shonen Jump, you could read something like Promise Neverland, and you're like, oh, no, oh, goodness, oh, this is awful, oh, everything's going to hell, oh, no. <laughs> and then you read Black Clover, you're like, yay, Shonen! So, you know, it's a mood changer. Yeah. I don't normally read the magazine out of order, but there is always a part of me that, like, 
will have to go re-promise Neverland and then return to Cyteria just so I can cope. Oh, I know, right? I have what? to... I, that's exactly how it's been with me. It's like, I gotta re-promise everyone first, and then after that, I'm like, oh my god, now I have to read something light. And then sometimes it works out, the Black Clover is like right after it, and then I'm like, yeah, pick me up. <laughs> it's it's really interesting, because like, I don't, I don't have that problem too much with... Um, with 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 suffering like tone tonal whiplash or whatnot because I, I I see like out of out of everything I I read in in the magazine I always usually go to One Piece first and then everything mm-hmm. else uh, I'm just like I'll re- I'll read this a little later when I'm not at work. Um. <laughs> <laughs> see, I I read the whole magazine in one sitting, so <laughs> like I literally I get in from work, I I, I finish at. Uh, 6 p.m. which is around when it comes out in the uk i just immediately download it just sit down and go and say like i've got a coffee i'm gonna read some miserable stuff first then go to the cheery things and i I think that's kind of a nice value of having black clover is because it is a a younger skewing series in a lot of ways like it does have just a fantastic optimism it's a lot of what i was digging about we never learn when that was the jump start as well it's like even though that was like goofing about and kind of taking the mick out of these girls and their lack of talents near as they want to do stuff in like it still felt so happy as a series oh it's invaluable yeah 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 christ even dr stone kind of has that oh yeah well, so far at least, God knows what will happen on Monday. <laughs> oh my God! I totally realized we forgot to talk about Doctor Stone. That was something we were supposed to do before we got into the Black Clover discussion. Whoops! Like, we'll like we'll insert it at the end. Like we'll just go in like we'll go like one, two, three. It's good. Like that. Okay. One, okay. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three. It's good. It's good. It's good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it's it's just it's just good. Like I don't I don't have much else to say about it other than I'm I'm looking forward to more of it and I want to read more of it, so Yeah, cool premise, great art, a really interesting world that's being set up, and the two leads are really likable and are distinct and different enough, but they have great chemistry. So it's really cool. I just get really excited because it's, as far as my research goes, uh, Jump's first ever non-Japanese author, which is wild to think about. Hmm. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone, but, like, imagine 49 years and, like, this series has popped up and been like, hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, you, you, you guys, I, I have to, I have to, I have to give it to you guys, uh, Black Clover's not as bad as I first thought. I, I just, just say you love it. Just, just say it, Colin. Just say it's the I'm best. Not, Ma- Maxie, I'm, I'm, I'm Stop, not, I'm not, I'm not ready. Cold. I'm not ready to say that I love it. But one I... of us, one of us, Google, <laughs> one, of us, Google one of us, one of us. I, I appreciate the, the the moments that I enjoy. I appreciate. That's good. I accept that. I accept that. Yeah. That you gave the acceptable answer, Colton. Now we won't have to hang you and execute you. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you will live another week. Oh yes. So 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 basically, now I guess I guess I'm gonna have to read Black Clover Weekly now. Otherwise, uh, all three of you guys are gonna come after me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You watch. Yes. I will get a plane ticket in like five years' time when my financials are good, and I will hunt you down if you skip one week. <laughs> He's going to show up at your place and have this, like, notebook, like, I see on March 27th, you skipped. On May 3rd, you skipped. <laughs> but, 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 what? But, but, no. Black Clover was on break that week. It matters not. 
<laughs> I will keep receipts. Excuses. <laughs> yeah, we are the three eyes of the unofficial Finroll fan club, and we will keep yeah. eye, we keep all our eyes on you. And if you keep, wa- and we will always keep watch to make sure if you are reading Black Clover every week. Oh, hey, we should uh, we should move on to our um, questions. Un- unless you guys have anything else you wanted to talk about before we moved on, uh, I'm tempted just to go and just be like, I, I gotta say, Alice, I really like the, like how well the lettering is done in Black Clover. Like not to. Oh. Close for yeah. But like it, it always gets really undersold, uh, considering the bubbles are made for like vertical text, like fitting the the adapted text into those bubbles in a way that actually looks good is really difficult. <laughs> so like I'm I just it's really nice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I should probably say yeah, I, I also appreciate your work on the series Annalise. Mm-hmm. Dang. Thanks guys. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Yes, stroke my ego, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, but uh, we did have some Q and A's we uh, we wanted to answer before we end the show, though. Yes, so we've got some Q and A's from a couple places. First off, we'll just read some comments that people gave to us in, on Twitter. First, from our good friend Allison Meout nine hundred, who said, "Who uh, when we asked about what people's impressions of Black Clover were." Me, uh, Allison replied, she thought it was a Naruto clone and she was burned off of Naruto, so she doesn't like it. <laughs> Which, uh, give, I, I have to say, just give it another shot. Yeah, give it another shot. I, I, I understand. But give it another shot. Yeah, like, it, it's, it's okay not to like it, but. She, yeah, yeah. She's wrong. I'm not gonna tell her she's wrong, that's mean, but she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says, Try it again, <laughs> and, and you know that that's that's my that's kind of my where I'm at too. Is like you know again, I I appreciate you know what Black Clover tries to do, and I you know I I respect it for what it is, but I but like I totally understand people like if I were to say, hey, you know, you should you should read Black Clover, and they're like, no, nah, I'm not really interested, and I'm I'd be like, you know what, that's that's totally understandable. Like it's just one of those series yeah. where I'm not going to be like super adamant about having people follow kind of like how I feel with um, case closed a little bit. <laughs> mm. We get also have a comment from Jeff Ruberg, who also works at Shonen Jump is in charge of uh, the digital side of things. Uh, and he says, great art, likable, Abby of formulate characters and an extremely repetitive arc structure that barely builds larger plot. See, mm. see, now that's something I I do kind of agree with in that, like, it really does feel like every arc there's always some kind of invasion of some country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do feel like every arc is built around just a big battle, and like, there's not as much of the adventure aspect. And it's like immediately, like, it's all going into this big like battle with a bunch of yeah people. like the stakes are always super high yeah. yeah like i i honestly kind of wish um there were a few other arcs like the dungeon arc where it's just them exploring stuff and actually and just them uh being on other missions and stuff i mean i guess we kind of i guess we kind of have that with the witch forest arc but um yeah it just e- even at the beginning of the witch forest arc where like you know uh everybody's at the capital again and then you have the the shining eight generals and and the diamond country invading at the beginning of that arc which you know 
I guess I'm I'm struggling to kind of see what what the point of that bit of the arc was because it just kind of seems like it was pretty one and done. Though I'm sure maybe it's probably maybe maybe there's something in there that's supposed to be setting up for later. I'm not really sure. You, know, you get little bleeds of stuff like the whole thing with uh with William Vengeance and the the sort of the, the non mystery like it's just oh he wears a, a mask early on and then as the series goes on it's like but does the mask mean something and it's like yeah there's something behind the mask but does that mean anything yeah, yeah like it's it's little tiny drips and drabs that like it does barely build a larger plot but it it's like the main mystery behind Asta it's not a series that's about the larger plot but the larger plot is still there to, like, remind you that there is something larger going on than just each individual there, story. There's line. obviously some sh- some really shady stuff going on with the Clover Kingdom and probably how that was founded. So I am actually kind of, like, like Black Clover is actually a series where I'm a bit more interested in the overall world than I am most of the cast. Though I will say at least I, I find... In comparison, I find the cast of Black Clover a little more enjoyable and interesting more than, say, like, Attack on Titan, for example. <laughs> just a, okay. just off the top of my head. I'm, I'm just going to nod because I've read, like, two volumes of Attack on Titan. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it's kind of got the opposite problem of Black Clover in that it, it's, it's just not pretty enough for me. I, I need pretty <laughs> comics. <laughs> yeah. Uh I would say the art in Black Clover is better than Attack on Titan, generally. Uh, yeah, even I can at least that. At least I, I feel, very like, I feel like that's faint praise there, Sid. <laughs> what? Like, I, I feel like Attack on Titan does a lot of great stuff, but, like, it's art out the gate was, um... Not not the greatest. Nah, yeah. Yeah, like, it, from what I've seen of what it looks like now, it's absolutely gorgeous while still yeah. being in that sort of same realm of art, but, like... I, th- I think Tabitha's had a real advantage kind of coming in with this being a second series and just having a, a well-defined style. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Not to just, like, throw shade at Attack on Titan fans. <laughs> it's a good comic, I'm sure. I I need to get around to buying more. I like it. Poor. I think it's in a great place right now. And the intrigue is really high, and it's going really strong. I'm looking forward to season two, even though it'll also be adapting some parts that weren't so great in the manga, but maybe they'll be better in the anime. <laughs> who knows? But um, mo- moving on to uh, questions from my friend Sparkle Spirit on Animation Revelation, he actually has questions about World Trigger uh, for Annalisa because, okay. uh, as I, we didn't mention this earlier, but Annalisa is a huge fan of World Trigger in addition to working oh, on yes. it and runs the unofficial Osama fan club. Yes, and if you want to join, uh, just talk to me on Twitter. It's K-A-I-T-O-U underscore A-C-E. And I will hook you up mm-hmm. with, with a fan club card. <laughs> yes. <laughs> join, join. We're almost at 100 members. Join. Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I remember, I think I joined two, three years ago, and I was number 55. We're getting yeah. so big. Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty great, actually. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. So definitely join the unofficial Sama Fan Club and get us over triple digits. But um, Spark asks uh, if you know that if uh, Ashihara Sensei is recovering okay. Um, we have no information on Ashihara Sensei. Uh, the 18th volume came out in Japan recently, and it does say that he is alive. He lost <laughs> well, that, eight, that's good. He, he lost eight kilograms. 
which Oof. is a lot of weight. Yeah. But That's he's alive. So this is, this is the most information we've had. I was actually talking to the World Trigger editor on Friday, and she's like, yeah, we have nothing. Nobody knows anything, so we're completely in the dark. So I apologize, all World Trigger fans. A lot of creators are very private about their health, aren't they? I, I know yeah. that we went an entire decade without actually knowing what was wrong with the, uh, the artist of Beat the Vandal Buster. Yeah. Which was, oh God, that was a hard time. Yeah, so, so we, we think the thing with Ashihara is perhaps uh, he was having, I think, neck problems <laughs> that kept flaring up. And so there were rumors that he was going to get surgery on his neck, Ooh, okay. which would have put him out of commission for a while. But they're all rumors. We really know nothing except when he wrote extra text for uh, volume 18, he was alive. So... Come on, Ashikara Sensei, get better. We're all rooting for you. Yeah, our best wishes to Ashikara Sensei. Uh, we hope he gets better. I love reading Will Trigger. Uh, I definitely miss it. And but more than anything, I just hope you know he recover. He's recovering okay, and he's in good health. Yeah, we we've said it before with uh, other authors like Tagashi, but like more than anything, it's just nice to know that the the authors are well and not going to like come back and near enough kill themselves if they return to comics too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I wish they were a little more open with information. It's not like you know. I I don't think anybody really wants to delve too deep in their private lives, but just to you know, like, hey, just a heads up, Ajara Sensei's still alive. Hey, just a heads up, you know, it may be a little while. You know, something like that, not just kind of. Anyway. It's on hiatus for a while. Yeah. We're worried. Yeah. And uh, Smark also wanted to know your opinion about something. Uh, If you think Ashihara knew the amount of characters he would introduce in the story ahead of time, or if they came to him naturally as the story went along, because he feels that Ashihara has a real knack with introducing characters that are very different, but fit the plot perfectly. Oh, I I agree. They're... He's really good at that, just, you know, getting the perfect character. Um, I don't know if he had the characters fully thought out. I think he knew approximately how many characters he would have, because I, if I remember right, he had the structure of Border pretty much down. So he knew there were going to be X number of C ranks, X number of B ranks, X number of A ranks, mm-hmm. and then the two S ranks. Um, but I... I don't know about the characters themselves, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I I think Ajihara might have had an idea of what he wanted to do with certain characters and uh, what characters he wanted to introduce down the line, but that how th- how he did it might have changed uh, as he started working on the story. Because I remember in an interview that uh, was done and on Wiz.com uh, a few. Years back, uh, Ashihara mentioned that he had this plan to introduce Jin early, uh, Jin later, uh, but. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, you know, because the series was not quite picking up early on, like he and his editor decided to introduce him a lot earlier than they had planned and kind of kickstart and, uh, jump, uh, kickstart the plot a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a good idea because Jin's super popular. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's a great character, so it's great that we got him earlier than we did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And so uh, that's it for questions from Spark. So now we're moving on to emails and back to Black Clover-related questions. Uh, our first email is from Esterosa1998, who asks, uh, he wants to know about Galsh's attacks. Uh, during the attack of his mirror reflects, does his mirror reflect the real light blaze that are the speed of light? Like street, 100,000 kilometers per second. Um, I don't know. I'm, uh, kind of, uh, just making this up, but, <sighs> hmm, hmm. Is it bad to give, is it bad to give the answer that it's a, a comic and it can go <laughs> however the author wants it to? So, like, I, I, I don't want to shoot it down, but like, I, I, I don't think we need to know. It's a fun That's mystery. the thing too. I was like, even I'm thinking like to, like, does does Tabata Sensei even think about that kind of thing? Well, I'm going to give the Konsenshu stance in that the series is still ongoing and we might find out in the future. There you go. That's, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it could be something where it's not at light, the speed of light right now, mm-hmm. but then later he'll power up. So it will become the speed of light and then it'll be <sighs> more powerful. That would be a fun power up. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a cool evolution. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening. He's got slow light attacks right now. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we have a question from Zaquan Edwin, who asks, what is our favorite art so far? And how do we feel about the light novel characters showing up out of the blue in the latest arc? Uh, I think my favorite arc was the Undersea Temple, for sure, because... I I just thought that it was really cool to have like all the black bulls pretty much involved in that, and it was really cool to have them you know show off their stuff. Uh, I'd like the new characters introduced, Kiato and Kilala. I think was her name. I forget. Kahona. Kahona. Yeah, I like them, and of course the fight with Weto. I think uh, has been the peak of the series so far. I really enjoyed that fight. That was like uh, I I put that as my favorite fight of the year when we did our year-end uh, nice. best of manga because i really enjoyed the payoff for that so yeah when, when i got to that part of the manga like i remember reading that and thinking oh yeah sid talked about this before and i remember reading it and thinking okay i could see why sid likes this this is actually a pretty good moment Hmm. how about you guys mm, well hmm I, I'm, I'm having a hard time picking because like like the last three full story arcs, I think, I think I feel like I might like them all about the same, just because like each each of the three have ha- all had like good moments that I really enjoy. Like, um, uh, I I mentioned them all before. Like G- Gouch learning his new spell, I think was probably my favorite moment from that arc. And then yeah, Sid mentioned his favorite moment uh, with. Asta's final attack against Veto, um, and Asta being like, you know, you haven't really, haven't actually made any of us despair. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> and uh, I, I really like that moment. That's a really great one. And then, um, oh man, uh, I think um, my probably my favorite moment in in the Witch's Forest arc is probably when Ladros is just going on and on and on about. Uh, how useless friends are and how they're just meant to be stepping stones to 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 a higher a power or whatever 
and Asta gets so angry about that that he throws his sword at him. <laughs> that that's that's easily probably like my well, probably my favorite moment in the entire series actually because it like it happens so fast and you just have that one page where like uh where the smoke clears and you see Asta after throwing the sword and it's, it's such a cool moment. It's really great. It's a perfect example of how he's like got no idea how to use that sword as well. It's like, <laughs> oh, I could channel someone else's magic. Nope, throwing it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just, just, oh, it's I, I think the Witch's Forest arc has, I think, some of the best moments in the series. So I think by, I think by default, the Witch's Forest arc is probably my favorite arc so far. Okay. How about you, Maxie, Annalisa? I'm inclined to agree with uh, the the Witch's Forest arc uh, more than anything because it took the one thing I really wished would happen and actually delivered on it, which was to uh, bring Mars back and give him more of a personality. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. it would, it was such a good payoff. Like that was the person who I, I didn't like him much in the dungeon arc, but he was still like a character with loads of potential. Mm-hmm. And then like they just delivered on it, and it was like, yes, Mars is my boy now. He is. <laughs> So great. <laughs> Hashtag protect like, Mars' style 2017. Yes! Yes! Please! <laughs> what about you, Annalise? Oh, no, I, I, I'm in total agreement. agreement. Uh, it's the witch's forest for me uh, because they brought back uh, Mars and I was so excited and just like said, hashtag protect Mars' smile 2017. When he smiled, I was just like, oh, my heart. Oh, Mars, I just, I live to see you happy now. And so he got a lot of really good moments. He, he got um, his time with Fauna. Finral had great moments too. Uh, Vanessa had great moments. So it was a lot of good characters kind of got time to shine. Yeah. Um, for, for the second part of the question... No, I did not like those light novel characters showing up. As soon as they came in, I was like, who are these people? Like, am I supposed to know who these people are? I figured out, like, oh, they're light novel characters. Oh, no, the haters are going to have a field day. (laughs) Yeah, that was my first thought, too. When they showed up, I was like, oh, boy, I know a lot of people are going to be complaining about this. (laughs) I I mean, to be fair, like, I think, I feel like personally it's a bit weird to like to introduce characters from a novel it's it gives you like this weird expectation of like oh there's a part of the lore that like you have to read other supplemental material to know i just feel like to me that's a bit jarring but like you know the characters didn't really bother me too much because i thought they were kind of i thought i thought they were kind of easy to ignore personally yeah, I, I thought, like, uh, so, the, so there are the three characters, Mariella, the student, uh, uh, Dominante, and uh, Fanzel, or Fonzel. And Fonzel got, I think, p- plenty of character development. He, like, <clears throat> if it wasn't obvious from the beginning he was from the novel, like, he just got regular character development. He de- developed fine for a character introduced in the series. The other two didn't really get anything, which was a shame, but Fonzel got enough himself that, like, him as a new character in the series, I don't really mind because he was used. Yeah, yeah. I like Fanzel, and I, I, you know, he had that connection with Mars and Ladros, so it felt like it makes sense for him to be there. And we got enough explanation of you know his connection relationship to Asta and Mars and Ladros to like just to kind of justify him and make him more palpable. But the other two characters did feel. A little tacked on at times. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of uh, questions about the light novel, we actually got a few questions 
uh, namely from Christine Ho and uh, Kuja9001 on Reddit, who asked, uh, will there be an English translation for the Black Clover light novels? Or to phrase it another way, how high or low is the possibility of those of that light novel being localized? Uh, this is, I'm speaking out of, this is no official statement because I, I am just a freelancer. Uh, I think there is a possibility. I think the possibility is greater than zero. <laughs> that said, uh, I don't think the possibility is very high. Uh, I don't know how well Black Clover sells. I don't think it's a crazy seller. So if, if, if you want to see it, keep buying the manga. I think if the sales are good, they'll probably start you know looking into getting light novels especially like not and not just for black clover for other series too like i think recently there was maybe a, a hiroaka novel that came out like if the things sell well if, if the manga sells well there's a better possibility but as black clover isn't as far as i know it's not selling gangbusters here, guys. So you heard it here first, guys. You gotta buy lots of Black Clover, get it up to the level of Tokyo Ghoul, so we can get more <laughs> light novels over here. I don't think there's a lot that's at Tokyo Ghoul's level, but but I mean, with uh, I, I hear that the Naruto light novels are selling pretty well, so I think Viz is more open to licensing light novels now. But I really do think. Black Clover will have to be a stronger performer to really see that as a possibility. Unfortunately, I really want to. We can always it. Uh, we can always cross our fingers and hope that uh, the the upcoming anime like boosts West's yes. interest in it a bit more because like that really is the thing that pushes a lot of series up is having a cartoon people can watch and oh I'm not just that I'm very excited for the cartoon I want everyone to watch it and like it and buy the comics I, okay <laughs> so they had a clip from because they did like an OVA in December or something for Black Clover uh, it was for the Festa I think yeah, yeah so so they had the anime Festa and then they had like the regular Jump Festa because I was really excited because I was going to Jump Fest I could see the I could see it and people were like no you're stupid and can't read Japanese and you can't <laughs> tell that they're on different dates and I was like I'm dumb <laughs> But but they had a clip at the uh, at the big Black Clover panel they had at Jump Festa, and it looked really cool. Like I know the OVA and the anime series will probably be different studios, but what I saw was really cool. But something that really I want to say bugged me, but I didn't realize was when they use magic spells, their grimoire are just kind of floating in the air, and you see hmm. that in the manga but then they're like like there are scenes where they're like running around and the grimoire's like floating next to them and i'm like that's really weird to me <laughs> oh, i've never thought about that but before it, it makes sense because if you see it in the manga yeah they're running around and their grimoire's always like right there but it's just like it's just floating like i can see how it works with everybody except asta he should have to hold his book Hmm, that that is really interesting. I I didn't even think about that because that was that's just a thing where I'm like, it's it's manga. I accept it. Yeah, it, it just you don't think about it, but mm. yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna have to wait and see how the Black Clover anime turns out. I think if they do, if they don't try and do it as a long runner, like a continuous thing, I think it ha it could be a quality like seasonal anime like my hero academia yeah, is yeah like, like yeah like take a break like do 
you could probably do 26 episodes with what we have. But then, yeah, don't don't try to stretch it out. Just take a break. Yeah. Yeah. And then another year to another series or something. Yeah, I'd be interested if they adapted the light novel in the anime. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It kind of how, like, Naruto Shippuden adapts the Naruto light novels. At least they did those in the last couple of years. so much sense. Mm -hmm. See, now I'm even more hopeful about the sodding show. Yeah, I feel like adapting the light novels would definitely be to their advantage. Yeah. I I hope it happens. I really, really hope it happens. But we'll see. So moving on to our final email from someone who wishes to remain anonymous. They have two questions uh, specifically directed at Annalisa because she went to Egypt. Festa and met with uh, Katayama and Tabata Sensei himself. Uh, their first question is: Katayama seems like a fun person, and he has quite the history. When I'm looking over such classics like Dragon Ball, the second half of the series, and Death Note, but from what you've seen, what is your opinion of him and Tabata's relationship? He seems so passionate about Black Clover. I never saw a picture of him wearing some sort of Black Clover shirt or costume. Uh, he is very, very, very enthusiastic about Black Clover. He's super into it. When when I first met him, he was the first person we interviewed. And it was the night before Black Clover. And he, he was so proud to sh- take out this like pouch and show us all his manga materials. Because he's like, sometimes I help Sensei when he needs help. You know, when, his, <laughs> when he's behind schedule. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so great. But he's super into it. He's very enthusiastic. He's maybe not as Asta-like as Tabata Sensei. But he's he's very he he has that same sort of drive to him and excitement about the series. Uh, we we talked at one point about uh, when when we were interviewing Tabata Sensei, we asked about like oh are there any like Black Bull members that we haven't seen? And he's like yeah I haven't introduced the uh, vice captain yet. Katayama san comes in at that point and says like what what are you guys talking about? Oh, the vice captain? Yeah, how are they going to be? Oh, I want to know. Like, he's really excited about how <laughs> the series goes on. And he makes a great Asta. He cosplays Asta for events. And he is great at it. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Uh, that's pretty great. But it seems like they have a really good relationship. Like, they, from what little I've seen of them interacting with each other, it seems like they really work together well. Like, like they're friends and they're, you know, co-workers. That's really cool. I think it's great that Tabata and Katayama have such a great relationship and they're both so passionate about the series. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but until I actually read that interview, I always assumed that Marilyn Manson was the vice captain. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's what I thought too. Well, I thought Finral was. And then I was like, oh wait, yeah, I guess Finral's not. Well, it's Gordon. Oh, I guess he's not. Huh, that's interesting. Oh, <laughs> oh it's just... It's weird the assumptions you just kind of end up making yeah. pretty yeah. much from the order that the characters are introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Wow. Well, <laughs> something to discover later, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Anonymous's second question is, many people doubt the authenticity of Black Clover's popularity in Japan, but as someone who has attended uh. Jump Festa and interacted with figures from Jump and fan stores, etc., basically from your experience in Japan, what is your opinion on Black Clover's popularity? Uh, I actually am pretty disappointed because there's not a lot of Black Clover merchandise out right now. Uh, but I think that kind of skews to what was mentioned earlier about, uh, it 
resonating more with a younger crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That won't have that disposable income. Whereas, you know, stuff like Haikyuu is more uh, Fujoshi and stuff. And we will just, you know, pay that money, get those that merch. Yeah, def- um, yeah it definitely seems like something that's a little more lucrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's not a lot of merch and stuff. But you can tell to some, you know, extent. I mean, it's getting an anime. It's gets lots of color pages. Oh yeah, like the, I, I I I remember seeing within the Witch Forest arc, like there were two weeks in a row where I think it got color pages. Yeah, so it gets a lot of color pages, and that that's a pretty good indication. And it's it's usually pretty much in the first half of the magazine, which which means it's doing well. And the fact that it's still running, a lot of I mean. Jump goes through a lot of series these days. So if it's not popular, they're going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it's it's been doing well, it's been getting color pages, and it doesn't even have its anime premiering yet, should, should be good indications. Th- that said, it's not like uh, I was walking around and seeing a lot of people that were like wearing Black Clover costumes or, or anything like that. Uh, the panel I went to was in... The Black Clover panel at Jump Festa was packed and huge, and lots of people were very, you know, vocal and screaming and happy about that and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, sorry, it's a pretty lackluster answer. I think that we'll see some more merchandise and, like, it spike in popularity after the anime, I think. At yes. least in Japan, for sure. I mean, it... it uh... Can I fry out some hatred quickly? <laughs> go, go ahead, Maxi. Because, <laughs> like... We, we've, we've talked about this previously in short terms, but it annoys me every time it comes up is this whole thing of like the, the inauthenticity of the popularity series. We had this with uh, Croco's basketball early on. We had this with Tariko for its whole goddamn life. We're having this with Black Clover. Jump is a business and they're not going to push something if it's not popular. That doesn't make sense for them to do. They're not going to do it just to wind you up on the internet. Like, I, I, I can't say this enough. If Black Clover's showing that it's popular through color pages or getting an anime in that, that's because it's popular. Like, we, we even mm-hmm. talked about this last episode when we talked about uh, Shonen Sunday. Like, you know, Shonen Jump is not going to do something like what Shonen Sunday did with Keijo, where it's clearly not doing well enough to warrant a place in the magazine, but they're just going to keep going with it anyway. Like, Jump isn't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they are cutthroat businessmen, as it goes. Yeah, like they they will murder a series if they need to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but much to the uh, despair of many of us. No, I like that one. <laughs> like, there's a there's a reason why like Jump is the magazine where people have like coined the phrase "the King Crimson Effect." Like, oh, <laughs> they will end a series mid arc and just give you a flash forward to later if they need to. Ugh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, like Black Clover obviously has its fan base. It's just it just speaks to a different demographic, I think, is the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's very much. Which, which, which is honestly was something that I, it took a long time for me to really understand. Because I remember even uh, when I first started reading the series a little earlier in the year, I'm like, why is this popular? It's so generic and boring and it's just, it's just cliche. And man, I don't like it. I'm going to go on the internet and complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and this is a thing with a lot of series. Like pe- people often don't realize that there's an audience larger than the audience that they are. Yeah. Like, you get people who moan about the uh, 
the sort of the sports series and how often they seem to be baiting female readers. And it's like, oh, why would they do that? It's a Shonen Jump magazine. And it's like, yeah, but Sh- Shonen Jump is like 49% female readers right now in Japan. Yep. It yeah. really makes sense for them to have series that do this. Yeah, it drives me crazy, especially when I hear stuff like that, like, well, why'd you do this for, for girls? Well, you know, you know, females are half the population and a lot of people read. Guys, yeah. girls like mm-hmm. manga too. No, we don't. We're just faking. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, you, you, heard, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> oh, no, no. Colton, no, don't form a narrative. Don't go with it. No, no. Yeah, I, I do. I do kind of a side note. Yeah, I do find it frustrating, but, but kind of funny when people like, uh, like when free, the, you know, the swimming anime started and so many people were like, girls don't buy anime, girls don't buy merchandise, and they still make free stuff. Uh, yep. I mean, I think they just announced yeah. two more movies, like, girls will pay so much money. Yep. We are hungry, hungry beasts. Yeah, I don't, I, I think that's, like, I think the astounding success of Mr. Ozumatsu is enough to dispel <laughs> the emotion that yeah. uh, there aren't, uh, there isn't a huge female fan base for anime. Yeah. It's it's also because of a huge female readership that Gintama has lasted as long as it has. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, no, that that would have probably ended a long time ago, like which which uh, personally I'm very thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> uh I think moving on to our set of questions from the Black Clover subreddit, uh the first question that was asked uh, has kind of already been answered from Zeal Bibob who, you know, at, wants to ask Annalisa if you met uh Tabata Sensei's wife. And uh, you have, so I think we'll move on from that. Yes, she's very cute, and she seems very sweet. And yes, Charmy is based on her. Ah, there you yes. go. So we'll move on to a question from Cool Dude Deku, who at, wants to ask, uh, how long do you personally think Black Clover will run for? So what is your guys' opinion on that? Hmm... As long as it can. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. honestly, <laughs> I was I was going to say something like a seven or eight years, like a 300 chapter run. But honestly, like, yeah, that's honestly the best answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you think of the, the Black Clover world, I mean, the main world is, is pretty small. You know, we've been introduced to two kingdoms, Clover Kingdom, Diamond Kingdom. You can kind of extrapolate that maybe there'll be a, a you know a spade kingdom and a heart kingdom or, you know, something like that. But there's also Yami's land. So there are places they can expand to and really run it along. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So as long as it's popular, it will run. I want to say hopefully forever, but (laughs) hopefully as long as it's still good. Yeah. I think that's the best thing. As long as it managed to stay consistent and uh, hopefully it doesn't drop off like bleach. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. As long as it ends before I do, I'm happy. Yeah. Unlike One Piece or Conan. <laughs> or Kochikame. <laughs> well, Kochikame ended. Well, no, that's true, but I don't think Black Clover will be nearly that long, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. come on, a 40-year run. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so our final set of questions is from Bigly Words. His first question is basically something we've already answered. Why was a novel created about a character that was very important in the most recent arc? I think that Tabata Sensei just wrote the story of the novel and then decided he liked the characters a lot. So he, that's why he incorporated them in the recent arc. Uh, yeah, I, I think one reason that he had characters that weren't in 
the um that weren't in the series originally is because you you did it I, I would say that you wouldn't have to read the novel to understand the manga that's what I originally would say but then clearly he brought them into the series so that kind of makes it a moot point yeah mm-hmm. I mean he uh bigly words also you know thinks that the manga that Tabata sensei should include more screen time for side characters instead of just focusing on Asta. And I feel that he has been doing that in the most recent arcs, especially, you know, last few arcs. So I definitely think, you know, side characters have been getting a lot more screen time. I feel like it's always been a pretty ensemble cast, though. Like, Asta's the thing that everything revolves around, but, like, it's always had a pretty good focus on side characters. Yeah, I, I, and I think they're improving on that, too. Like, really, this latest arc, Asta was definitely the focal point, but really, like you said, everything kind of revolved around him. Yeah. He was a focal point, but not the focus, if that makes any sense. He was a projectile weapon for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, his next question is, would we prefer a long-running anime adaption or a shorter one and i think we already kind of answered this in that we think a a shorter like seasonal kind of structure would be best for black clover yeah 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 definitely no fillers please yeah yeah uh and then the next question is uh do you think that tabata since they had most of the plot planned out and how far do you think he is into his uh story so far that's really hard to say (laughs) I, I feel like not being the author, that's impossible to answer. Yeah, I I don't know. Like, I, I think he probably had the first few arcs kind of generally planned out, and maybe he has like a general idea of where it's going to go. But yeah, I mean, we can't read his mind, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I try. I feel like I a tried. lot of the time, if, if an author says they've got like a certain percentage or amount of the story finished, they're pretty much just flying by the seat of their pants anyway. Like, when One Piece said it was halfway, I kind of believe it, but if any other series says something like that, I'm just like, well, who knows? Yeah, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, and so uh, his final question, and our final question, finally, is if Tabata Sensei had to decide between which character he would choose as his favorite, who would he take and why? His The main character from Hungry Joker or Asta, which do you guys think he'd prefer? Mm. The main character from Hungry Joker was pretty pretty bad so (laughs) i I would guess asta if just for the very shallow opinion that that's the series that's still running yeah that's not the one that got canned so he has success with asta yeah so that's my very shallow answer asta makes some money yeah And I think that wraps it up for questions. Thank you all, everyone, who sent in questions. And Mm. I hope we gave you some satisfying answers. And I think that about does it for our Black Clover discussion. Yay! Yay. Hey, I actually said some nice things about Black Clover. And that was good. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, you said more more nice things than negative things, even if it was mostly because so. we were cajoling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that about does it for the show. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on, Annalise. It was great talking with you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm very very pleased to talk with people about Black Clover because I don't don't get to do it much. <laughs> and uh, and thanks you thanks uh, thanks to Maxie once again for coming on and joining us. 
pretty much all I do with my time, if I'm honest. <laughs> but that's not true. I'm not, I'm not that depressing. I'm going to be having uh, dinner with my partner in a bit. So, you know, that's all nice. good. I'm going to leave. I mean, not now, because we're still on the podcast. Uh, well, all we have to do is just go ahead and plug our stuff. I guess, um, Annalise, uh, where can the good people find you? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Kaito Ace, and that's K-I-T-O-U underscore A-C-E. Uh, that's pretty much the only place I, I'm at. Um, please come talk to me about Black Clover, World Trigger, stuff like that. Join the Osamu fan club, please. Yeah, we'll probably leave a link to that in the uh, show notes, Sid. Yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Maxi? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at, uh, Maxi the B now, all as one word, uh, cause I don't like my surname very much, so I removed it. Uh, which is great. Now I sound like a Sonic OC, which is fine. <laughs> uh, other than that, you can find me at friendshipeffortvictory.com, where I've just returned from a brief holiday and unexpected hiatus following the holiday. Uh, I'm continuing to work through uh, the latest round of Jump Stars, trying to find interesting things to write about them that aren't just reviews. So uh, if you head on there at the point this episode has come up, I'll hopefully have caught up. But for now, there's a piece that's just gone up about Demon Prince Poro's diaries and how mm. it's become like the it's like the seventh series I can think of about a demon coming to Earth to learn the <laughs> earthly ways, which is great. I love that as a plot point. It's really weird Me that too. Jump keeps doing it. <laughs> Uh, and the next piece that's going up uh, on Monday the 20th, which is going to be about Hungry Marie and how it does a really good comedy just by giving jokes room to breathe. Awesome. Right. Can't wait to read it. Nice. Yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to that. Sid, how about you? As for me, you can find me pretty much anywhere as Lum Ramayasha, but my main hangouts are on Twitter and Animation Revelation. And if you also are a regular listener to Weekly Manga Recap, I'll probably be participating in the chats for when they do their streams on Wednesday nights a lot more often. So, nice. yeah. All right. And uh, as for me, Colton, you can find me on Twitter. That's SniperKing323. That's S-N-I-P-E-R-K-I-N-G-323. I do a bunch of other podcasts. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Gintama. Uh, if I haven't made that clear already, you can listen to Life Lessons, the Intaba Manga Cast at gettolifelessons.wordpress.com. Or if you want to hear me to talk about uh, Detective Conan slash Case Close, that's, uh, you can find uh, One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. Uh, but I guess just as for uh, the Manga Mavericks podcast in general, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks at allcomic.com. That's where we post every episode first. Um, or if you want to follow all comic, you can do so at facebook.com slash all dot comic or on twitter.com slash all comic underscore. And uh, just, you know, if you want to follow Manga Mavericks, you know, specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at manga underscore Mavericks. Uh, again, thank you guys to uh, everyone who sent us tweets about Black Clover and uh, reading those on the show. But if you want to email us anything and you want to have your uh, thoughts read, just like we did on this episode of the podcast, uh, uh, do, do you guys have any thoughts on Black Clover? Uh, do you do you like us having uh, Annalise and uh, Maxi on the show? What do you think of them? Uh, you know, what other manga are you reading and all that kind of stuff? You can uh, send us your thoughts at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. If you uh, have the chance to do that, we would appreciate it. 
but uh, I think that is going to do it for this episode. This has been episode 27 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com, and we will see you guys next time for episode 28. Bye, guys. Sayonara! Sayonara!